Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. And this week, the bottom 100 as well. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Marianne. I'm Grace. And this week, as we promised a few weeks ago when we were discussing Fifty Shades of Grey, we promised to invite Marianne and Grace back to discuss a movie on the bottom 100 that everybody was very, very excited about. So we're going to talk about Spice World, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Woo! Yay! <laughs> Half-hearted yay! <laughs> Sensing much enthusiasm radiating from this end of the table. But let's talk a little bit about this, actually, because, I mean, the thing, you can't just talk about Spice World. It's impossible to just talk about Spice World because it's tied up in all of this other stuff as well. Mainly the Spice Girls, uh, which is, like, obviously the, the band. I imagine that even our American listeners are aware of the band, the Spice Girls. They were massive in the mid-90s. A huge part when myself and Andrew were certainly coming of age, like, as a formative experience. But I imagine the same for Grace and Marianne. Oh, yeah, very much Absolutely. so. Absolutely. <laughs> I often like to maintain that the Spice Girls made me the woman I am today, for better and for worse. And I still stand by that. Because the, the Spice Girls, it's an absolutely fascinating, like, cultural phenomenon. Just as somebody who lived through the era, first of all, it, it's... You've, you've written a lot about uh, the Spice Girls and how they represent the kind of... Um, they embody... Uh, post-history... Kind of era and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Lots of boring stuff about the Spice Girls existing in a post-meaning, but also pre-meaning world where, you know, they both represent and embody, but also deconstruct and all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Most of that was not you serious. You knew a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to do that. You know that Nicolas Cage meme where he's like, I'm just going to be like, I'm ready for this. Let's go. <laughs> no, because the Spice, the Spice Girls are absolutely fascinating. And I remember, this is weird that we are now, because we should point out, when we're talking about Spice World, Spice World has had, I don't want to describe it as a bit of a reappraisal of late, because I think there are people who are always very fond of it. I imagine you two always were fond of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. But in the past, say, five you know, four or five years, it's undergone something of a kind of a cultural reassessment, particularly around its 20th anniversary. In fact, we watched the 10th anniversary uh, DVD copy of it, you know, when it was re-released. But like, for example, I know that last year in January, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the US release, they had like a re-release of Spice World like in cinemas that actually attracted a large crowd a lot of the notes section of this podcast will be retrospectives from places like say BuzzFeed but also like journals like The Atlantic and and The New York Times exploring like the legacy of the Spice Girls 20 years on it's fascinating to look back and sort of to have something that like I remember first time I imagine you were talking about the same movie (laughs) (laughs) yes Andrew yes we are but let's let's talk about this just a little bit you guys it seems really incongruous (laughs) jumping from what we saw to like the historical context of it but hopefully by the end of this podcast Andrew will feel differently <laughs> oh no I feel I, I, I have like positive feelings but it, it's it's like um, what is Gore Vidal like but that's because you guys would you guys have seen it when it first came out back in 1997 oh yeah like VHS for Christmas yeah. you know big deal <laughs> burned out quite a lot yeah, as in the video. Well, this is the thing, yeah, the old VHS thing, which, like, again, I feel, this makes you feel older. I'm like, people don't remember what it's like to have a piece of cassette tape that you would wear out so much by watching yeah. it. Yeah. 
and reversing it to watch scenes over and over again and even just the, like the little crack of the box when you're opening it and how if it's one that you've watched loads and loads of times like it, it sort of gets crinkled down the spine like yeah. a book so when you crack it open there's like a sad sighing noise yeah it stops <laughs> kids like, these days just <laughs> don't know <laughs> it stops cracking satisfyingly it's become like sort of malleable yeah. you know yeah. and there's all these little like pressure points from the plastic to open yeah. almost um, and the spine fades yeah. <laughs> oh and it, like so, so, sometimes it breaking as well the 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 plastic in the corner breaking so it doesn't kind of like clip yeah yeah Yeah. and giving you sort of a not a paper cut a plastic cut that's really sore yes the dark side of vhs but so did you guys you guys have seen it in the cinemas though as well or would it have just been a vhs release have books in. We had VHS <laughs> Kids, gather around and we'll yeah. tell you a story about Betamax. Yeah. Um, but like, well, Grace and Marianne, would you have seen it in the cinema? I don't remember seeing it in the cinema. It's possible we went, but I feel like this was more of a home video phenomenon for me. I'm almost certain I didn't see it in the cinema because I lived in a very small town without a cinema. And ah. had to be, would have had to, it would have had to be a... A field trip. Basically, whether or not we saw something in the cinema always depended on what time of year it came out. Because if we were in Dublin at the time visiting our relatives, then mum would take us to the cinema. But we did not go in Mayo because it was too much of a faff to get to one. So, Funny, funny, like, uh, Darren and I were in a um, large-ish town um, uh, of, of Sligo, but there was a time when there wasn't, when they were rebuilding the cinema. So we had to like, like everyone had to watch Titanic in Balaná. <laughs> like the cinema uh, in Balaná is really nice now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I, feel like, I, feel <laughs> I don't like know what it was like years ago. That Balaná had its moment, culturally speaking. It's like the cinema in Balaná was like, this, <laughs> this is our moment. Yeah. I lived in Balaná for five years and nothing happened. And then as soon as I left... Titanic arrived. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the, like, the Spice Girls in particular in Spice World, right? Um, even Andrew, who I assume you've not seen this we before. We invited their Spice Girls. <laughs> our, our Spice Girls. Blah, blah, blah. Feminism. Thank you, Bob Hoskins. Um, but like, let's, uh, let's, Andrew, I assume you had not seen this before. Um, equalism. <laughs> um, equalization, equalization between the sexes. Um, I had not seen this before. So, but you are obviously familiar with the Spice Girls. Like, I mean, I think everybody who lived through the 90s was familiar with the Spice Girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what, what is that? Yeah. That sounds like a very loaded yeah. No, no. Like, I, I, of course I was familiar. Like, like you, you can't kind of exist in a world without knowing most of the words to um, a certain Spice Girls song and, and then being surprised at how much of it Reten- you retained. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, there's that one one uh, uh, Spice Girls song it goes like and it's like oh <laughs> it looks like, <laughs> like I know the whole day I got all the way through to the end yeah but what about you guys would you guys have been big Spice Girls fans like during the 90s yeah okay. um, sorry yeah. sorry Marianne it's an audio medium they can't <laughs> see you nod um, no yes I mean I remember I used to get um, I think it was the Bunty it was like a girls magazine. Yeah, it was a yeah. girls magazine, and maybe I also got MJ, which was Mandy and Judy, uh, 
in one magazine. Darren is looking at me like, I've never heard of what, this. What, what is Minding my research, a Beauty? Yeah. My research did not cover this. Yeah. There were girls, okay. magazines for young girls, basically, oh. and they kind of had like photo stories. And Bunty had comics in it too. Yeah, I won a, yeah, and I, I think I like, I won a Polly Pocket or something because I entered a competition in you one of these magazines. Polly Pocket? I won a Polly, I won, won like the Mermaid Polly Pocket. Oh, so that was kind of the audience for these things. But they did a series where they had like for five weeks they had like a poster of each Spice Girl on the back of each magazine so I got all five and like cut each one out and put it on the wall over my desk like all five of them you know so yeah that's kind of that was my relationship with the Spice Girls and I think also like I was not a cool child (laughs) maybe not a surprise um but I wasn't really into any other pop music or like I wasn't really into boy bands, but the Spice Girls were my obsession, uh, really my only pop obsession. And then I transitioned into being like an obnoxious little alternative kid. <laughs> so they were really my only foray into, into uh, pop music, but I was obsessed for yeah. that brief and intense period. I'm kind of curious, did that... Did that obsession continue into like the grunge period, or did you sort of lose interest and come back? What do you? How, how, how do you mean the grunge period? Oh, sorry, what you just started saying? Oh, right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was wondering when the Spice Girls girls take that direction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andrew stopped following them long before they hit the grunge phase. But sorry, that the punk. Yeah. No, no, I think I like removed my Spice Girls uh, posters in favor of. What was I listening to? Like, insane that, like, I'm not insane. Like, like, Park. Yeah, and like Everclear, and like a lot of like, yeah. And so, none of their movies made the bottom 100. No, oddly enough. Oddly enough, but um, but yes, like I definitely had like, and those that was they were my only Spice Girls posters either. And I had the, I know I had like multiple Spice Girls posters, and I had the 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 um. Spice World cassette from my Walkman, like that album, and that I actually did break from listening to it like, oh, okay, over okay. and over again. I'm sorry, when you said you no, broke, I imagine it's like was... a weird sort of like no. But then I think of... once it was over, it was over for me. Oh, okay, but yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't put the tape, the um, glue the tape back together. Uh, no, I don't think it even snapped. I think it just wore out. Oh. You know how it just was like, we can't read this anymore. <laughs> Please listen to something else. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine, Alkaline Trio for the next year. Here we go. <laughs> what about yourself, yeah. Grace? What was your sort of experience and relationship to the Spice Girls? Um, I too was similarly ex- obsessed. I think um, I had a short-lived pop phase beforehand, similar to you, but it was, it began and ended with Boyzone and a little bit of NSYNC. And I like to think that the Spice Girls kind of rescued me quickly before like Westlife came along and stuff, which was fantastic. Um, but I distinctly remember actually the first time I saw them, it was on like, I don't know if anyone recalls that TV show, Top 30 Hits, where they play like yes. segments yeah. from the top 30 songs that week. Um, and there was one week anyway, whenever Wannabe came out that the Spice Girls were on it and were either like two or one. So they were played for like a little bit longer than all the other ones. And I was just like, what is this? Like, this is overwhelming. I was literally like eight at the time. I was like, this is so cool. And like, they've got great outfits and their hairs are crimped and all this sort of stuff. It was just fab. And yeah, I had a very similar experience then to Marianne just kind of went straight into like all of the magazines, the VHS tapes, (laughs) the cassette tapes. We had the first album definitely 
on cassette and I can still picture the different, like when you folded out the paper inside, there was one of them on each of the little folds. I can still picture two or three of them, even though God knows where that is now in a skip somewhere, probably. Um, and yeah, listen to it kind of obsessively. We had a live video as well, which was like the Spice Girls live in Istanbul, I want to say. And it had like this little <laughs> very behind the scenes documentary where it would talk about them like writing the songs and recording the songs. And it was actually quite serious in hindsight. I feel like at the time I was like, oh, there's not a lot of laughing going on here <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. Um, and we had a, a video game as well. Where you could like, make, yeah, like you could make your own like little Spice Girls oh, character yes, and then like make them dance. Yeah. I think that was the beginning and end of the game, but it that was great. That was the Spice World video game, actually. Yeah, that yeah. was yes, which I discovered. We had that too <laughs> yeah. for the PS One. I, I didn't have that. I discovered it during research for this. Unfortunately, I had a very deprived childhood. <laughs> um, is it worth actually just asking before we talk about Spice World the film, who your favorite Spice is, and maybe if we want to get a bit of adventurous, what your favorite Spice Girls song is? So, Andrew. Um, no pressure. Yes, um, uh, Jerry and um, I would have to probably think about it, but immediately just after watching the movie, um, uh, "Spice Up Your Life" is a banger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so 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 that's where I um, kind of like felt because like the the and I I, I think maybe. From watching the movie, I realized that, like, I'll, 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 and, and I guess from, like, listening to uh, a lot of the songs, a lot of it's kind of, like, about friendship and that. So, like, there were these five um, women, but they weren't, they, they weren't really, um, the, the important thing wasn't that they were um, uh, uh, sex symbols. It, 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 like it, 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 it seemed it, 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 it wasn't really kind of exploiting that, or that wasn't the mm -hmm. the, the 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 message of it. But there suppose, are a surprising number of Spice Girl songs that are about boys coming on too strong, and yeah. literally them just and being like, like, "Get away, like, yeah. back stop. off, back yeah. off." Like, it's I need a friend. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be my lover, yeah. you want to get my friends. Yeah. 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 Say you'll be there in particular when they're just like, now you tell me that you're falling in love. Like, whoa. Just say <laughs> no, be Let's not even yeah. go there. Um, yeah. Where, whereas, like, the priorities for them are very um, clearly not. Like, like, this isn't a thing for um, uh, four boys. But Jerry was very much despised for, uh, for boys, I guess. <laughs> and she, she was, like, in the movie as well, she is the most kind of... Um, I, I, I this, this is the thing where and I mean like we're going to talk Sex about the positive okay we're going to talk about the positive <laughs> okay. later on but, um, <laughs> no 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 but I mean like the thing about Jerry and Jerry's sexualization is that she famously sold or d sold some pictures to page three in the tabloids before she became famous I don't believe they published them but they published uh, they them after they popped up somewhere yeah because oh, yeah, I remember seeing them yeah, well, they published them after. I don't think she was shy about that <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh look at the Spice Girls has boobies this is great I think she was a couple of years older than the other girls as well. Yeah. So and and she'd been around the track maybe a few times. Well, I don't. It, they, it was before. I think it was before she became famous that 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 she had uh, Sent like, submitted her yeah. photos um, for yeah. for consideration. <laughs> and like you make it sound so sophisticated, like there's a yeah. panel of like judges, and they're like, "Well, you I had don't know good why form. they didn't get in. Like the boobies were were, were perfectly lovely." So, Marianne, <laughs> your favorite Spice Girl and why? Um, my favorite Spice Girl was also Ginger Spice. Um, for the same reasons? reasons? Different reasons, okay. um, surprisingly. <laughs> it's really interesting, though, and like having sort of had all this context come flooding back to me having watched the movie. 
So Ginger Spice was the most kind of vaguely drawn in terms of the personality type. Like she dresses, like her costuming is a sort of like, like early 20th century brothel madame. Like that's her look, (laughs) Um, which is an odd thing for me to identify with as a 10 year old girl. But I was also, also she's kind of the mouthy one, but that's also Scary's role. And then she is the one kind of most pushing this vague, decontextualized feminism of kind of like, woo, girl power, you know, equalization of the sexes, whatever that means. Margaret Thatcher was the first Spice Girl is one of Jerry's quotes. Yeah, like, so she... She had girl power. I historically used to identify a lot with leaders, even though I don't think it was that explicit that Jerry was the leader of the Spice Girls. Like, now, like, looking back on it as an adult, it's like, oh, she's definitely older. Like, as a child, you're just like, they're adults! But now (laughs) you're like, okay, some of them are more adults than others. But, so I think that's probably... And also she has a streak where it's kind of like, she knows facts and the other girls are annoyed because sometimes she talks about things that aren't, like, being a Spice Girl. So she's also got, like, this nerdy element yeah. that's never yeah. really drawn out in any way yeah. but I guess they're like oh we don't have a nerdy Spice Girl I mean that it, would do it for me that as well and, and her being a redhead but anyway sorry <laughs> but no, it, it is kind of worth talking about this very briefly before we get into talking about the movie like the thing about the Spice Girls is that you come you have this pre-packaged identity famously um the labels were not put on them by their manager, Simon Fuller. The labels were actually given to them by the top of the Pops magazine, if I remember correctly, where they did, the editorial sat down and they, they had what they called a spice rack because that is how magazines worked back then. Uh, but they, and probably still now. Uh, but they also then basically attributed attributes to them based on just pictures that have been taken of the girls and the girls decided to codify those. And what's interesting is that Ignoring for a fact, the, ignoring for a moment the like politics. Jerry decided to codify them <laughs> unilaterally. They had a yeah, band she meeting. She was the intellectual kind of underpinning of, of the, the Spice Girls yeah. of the whole movement. She was the one who understood that this was the way forward. And anyone talking about like nineties post meaning. But anyway, the idea is that like one of the things I find interesting and fascinating about the Spice Girls is that you have three of the girls whose personalities are very much codified mm. by the adjective in front of their name. So Baby Spice Emma Bunting is defined by being baby, youngest, innocent, girlish sort of thing. You have Sporty, whose entire personality comes down to the fact that she's aware of some stuff involving football. And that's yeah. all that she and is. A, a and she can do boy. high kicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a chase sequence in the movie where she is very clearly ahead of the other ones because she's Sporty. And then also you have Posh, whose attribute is that she is posh and upper class and above all of this. And rude. And rude. <laughs> and very, very rude. But... You have then the two other spices. You have Scary Spice and Ginger Spice, who's like personalities because Ginger is not an adjective that describes a personality type. And I suppose because Scary... I feel like for a certain type of person, Ginger is a personality type. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, but it's... it. But it is also that kind of like in a pejorative loud, way. obnoxious, mouthy woman, you know, that like would have like... Or maybe like Jerry codified it like that for us yeah. retrospectively. But I yeah, it's definitely not 
complimentary, I would say. Yeah, like, I don't I don't think it started out complimentary. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny actually when you were talking about all the reasons Jerry was your favorite because she was also my favorite. Great. <laughs> by far. Unified. And, it's, and yeah, it's, I, I don't remember why I would have gravitated towards her, but I had the same thing when like when I watched this as an adult and I'm like, some of the stuff she comes out with, it's just like, I feel like that was speaking to a part of me that I wasn't even aware was there. Like stuff like, you know, did you know the largest fish in the world is a manta ray? Yeah. Because like I was a really weird child who would come out with this sort of stuff like it was fascinating and people would just be like, whatever and walk yeah. off and I I feel yeah. like I started to see elements of myself in her. <laughs> and even the vague feminism. I yeah. think that's like, was a very nascent vocabulary yeah. for... A sort know, of a framing for yeah. something that you felt inherently, but didn't know how to articulate. And was going to develop, it turns out, yeah. into a much greater extent later in life. Yeah. But it, it was the sort of, I mean, and it was that real 90s feminism that kind of like, you know, hardcore disassociated itself from anything that had happened in the second yeah. wave and was kind of like girl power, but in a non-threatening way. Cause like yeah. we're all equal anyway. And like, we're just like kicking ass and having a good time, not yeah. wearing pants because like we don't have because to. Reasons. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> cause yeah. I choose to go out not wearing But pants. I think it was also like sporty was sort of the tomboy one. Yeah. But and if you as, weren't a tomboy, you weren't going to see. But I was more. a tomboy, but I also hated sports. So there was a real like disassociation there where, you know, and like, obviously, I mean, just in the whole movie, it was like, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. Like the rest of them are all so uncomfortable for the entire <laughs> thing. And she's just like slouching about in sweatpants and crop tops. It was just, yeah, very, Sporty, very. but can do other things to spice yeah <laughs> it, it is worth noting in terms of like the idea of the spice girls as like a second wave move to feminism what's interesting is that like i think you're onto something with an entire generation of like young women particularly coming of age with the spice girls and somehow like through that coming to like a, a more activist sort of feminism because famously the spice girls may have been they were involved in the 1997 election in the uk they became embroiled because this is to give you an example, an illustration of how big the Spice Girls were. In 1997, uh, Jerry and Posh inadvertently in an interview mentioned that they voted Tory, which led to a, an arms race between the Labour and Conservative parties to see which prime, prime minister candidate could name the most Spice Girls. Apparently Tony Blair got three. And John Major got two. But the band had to issue a statement saying that they were sitting the general election out after what? their, yeah, after their politics were discussed in the House of Commons. So, so they House did not vote or they did, they, they, they did they, not uh, campaign. They did not campaign. Um, oh, okay. We don't know how they did in writing ballots. Like we're yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I thought it was that they weren't going to exercise their suffrage. <laughs> girl power. <laughs> Sometimes girl power means knowing when not to use girl yeah. power. But it's also like, it's so strange to me, like looking back that the Union Jack is like their unofficial branding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, do you remember Jerry had a dress? Yeah, yeah the Union sparkly Jack. Union Jack. TBC thing, was it? In his sequence, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she possibly had more than one. Yeah, like, an entire wardrobe. <laughs> well, I mean, it should be noted that, like, this is, like, Spice World and the Spice Girls in particular arrived in the midst of what was known as Cool Britannia. And the idea was the reclaim. And again, you want to talk about how the Spice Girls maybe are relevant today in ways that expand beyond inspiring a generation of people towards, like, a more activist form of feminism. But in terms of stuff like reappropriating the Union Jack and patriotism and nationalism, like, you saw that they would have arrived around the same time as Oasis and Blur would 
have made like a certain style of Britishness popular in the charts and in music, particularly in the in the U in the US. But you also would have had, for example, like Train Spotting would have been a movie that was huge over in the US. Uh, it was a small indie British film, and you even get a reference to Train Spotting here. We won't go into too much detail, but where where a character enters a scene in a way that deliberately evokes one of the iconic sequences from Train Spotting. But I mean, like in the nineties, you had this wave of like reappropriation of the Union flag and Union Jack. For example, like David Bowie's cover to his own nineteen ninety seven album uh, Earthling had him clad in a raincoat that was a Union Jack to give an example it was just kind of and you had like Tony Blair coming to power being seen as a prime minister who was poppy he was the answer to like Clinton in the US Clinton playing saxophone and becoming like a pop cultural institution and getting elected president based on that which led to like Obama which obviously you could argue led to Trump but even like this you have this like weird none of that would have happened if it weren't for this (laughs) movie Which is your essential thrust. That's where that's where I'm going with this. No, I just I just find it interesting that the Spice Girls are such a potent cultural force that you can tie them into all of this stuff. I thought the movie was a lot of fun. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, it is worth noting this is a movie that appeared on the IMDb's latest updated bottom 100 list, which is interesting. Um, it is the only band-centric film that appears on the list, which is also interesting. We've talked about how the top 250 is generally driven by 90s nostalgia, but a traditionally masculine 90s nostalgia, so stuff that preferences Jurassic it's Park. It's very specific genre. Yeah, like, they, they, Hard they, Day's Night and... Uh, well, yeah, but, uh, like, there, there's other... The Michael Jackson There's other one. pop music star uh, movies in the bottom 100. Like, oh, like Justin from Justin to Kelly. Written by the same writer. Yeah, there's uh, Crossroads. So, like, if you were to say, like, this is the only kind of girl... Glitter is on it, I think. Glitter is on it. But (laughs) fine. I was talking more specifically like Hard Day's Night, Captain EO, that sort of stuff. But you know. Captain EO. Yeah. Isn't in a band? It was Michael Jackson. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. It's like, this is one of many. Okay. All right. But um, it is worth noting, again, this is something that ended up in the bottom 100 as like, and it's interesting to note, we talked about how the bottom 100 is almost like a reflection of the top 250. Where you have this, like, 90s nostalgia, but this weird obsession with stuff that people who vote on IMDb hate. So, here's a question. Would Spice World be among the 100 worst films ever made if you were constructing a list? Christ, no. God. No. <laughs> Why? No. It was, it was, it was, um, it was hilarious. Like, it, it, it was, it was, um, it was only bad in, in the extent that it looked really, um, Cheap, yeah. But, but it does look like something that was on like Saturday evening on UTV. Exactly. Well, it was directed by Bob Spears, who is a primarily was he passed away primarily a TV director. He did episodes of Absolutely Fabulous. He was regarded as one of the best British it, sitcom directors, it, and it kind of shows. It looks like Absolutely yeah. Fabulous, yeah. which was which was a great kind of funny but I think show. That fits their but, aesthetic, yeah. Like, yeah. To make it into this really like glittering sort of Hollywood style extravaganza with really high production values would not have seemed authentic dare no. I say it yeah because their Britishness is such a selling yeah. point yeah. and I think this is like it's almost kind of spiteful that it's in it's in the bottom 100 because yeah. I think the thing is ultimately oh, totally. oh, yeah. ultimately as well it's like what it, this is is like it's part of the marketing machine for Spice World you know so it's really strange that like you know, it's part, like, it's, like, even the fact that we've just been talking about the Spice Girls for half an hour, like, to decontextualize it from, like, the whole Spice Mania period, 
You and just trying to evaluate it as a movie by itself yeah, you, seems really strange. You, you can't know. talk about this movie without talking about, you know, John Major. And sure. John, the, and Tony Blair. All the context. Of um. <laughs> I feel like Andrew may not be. Andrew may be being as arch as Jerry Sorry. in this case. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, do, I do think it is, though. And I mean, like, we're living in a moment of, like, where we're having 90s nostalgia right now. So we're having, like, reunion tours for, like, New Kids on the Block. We're having, like, the Spice Girls are getting back together. It was announced shortly before we recorded this. Yeah. Minus Posh. I think um, it might have had something to do with our recording. Yeah, when we announced it and they got very excited, their publicist found out. But like... Richard E. Grant said, don't do anything yet. (laughs) (laughs) But we we didn't listen to him. Um, He's swinging from the rafters um, at the moment. But no, I mean... That was really dark. (laughs) Really dark. A really dark point in the movie. But I guess we we won't reveal that. Yeah. The details of it, but I mean, it, it is part of like a wider range of '90s nostalgia at the moment. How was it? What was it like coming back to the movie? I had like zero memory of it, so you know, a new and exciting experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remembered vividly, um, and not just because there are multiple quotes in this film that form part of my sister's and my daily vocabulary. And I'm not even joking. We say that manta ray thing constantly. Oh. We say that getty thing constantly. We say, and I'm Victoria Malcolm constantly. None of this makes sense to anyone who isn't us. But like, I'm not sure even one of them's named Victoria. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I think it's only interesting for me looking at it now to see kind of, cause I've had this experience with a lot of other films that I loved a lot when I was younger that have elements in them, like subtext or sometimes even explicitly part of the text. Um, kind of feminist or sort of progressive, very female-centric worldviews that clearly spoke to me when I was a child, but I did not quite realize that's why I love them so much. And I think I had the same experience watching this where I'm just like, yeah, what is it about the Spice Girls that I loved so much? And then you just kind of start to drill down into it and think it was all about being irreverent and being yourself and telling boys, girl power, equalization between the sexes. Occasionally. And, you know, that was fine and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. Yeah, no, and it is like, I mean, watching it, it is like unabashedly unabashedly a movie about female friendship Mm -hmm. there is Mm -hmm. I think notably no love interest arc for even one of the Spice Girls when it's broached it's mocked yeah and I mean, I, are we going to like... No, no, we're, we're going to jump in and Yeah, because I mean, like, uh, there, yeah, is we'll a, there is a weird female yeah. friendship subplot. <laughs> um, but as sort of, um, what's the word, kind of off colour it is in places, that's, that's the heart of the movie, yeah. you know. So. And, and very unapologetically so. And I think that was rare enough back in the day extremely yeah <laughs> all right because so. even if you look at say something like crossroads the britney spears movie which is much more fictionalized like she's not really playing herself in the same way that they're playing themselves here yeah. that's about a love story doesn't she just take off for where they take off across the country looking for some lad who's possibly knocked one of them up i haven't seen crossroads okay, <laughs> no. and moving, uh, moving on section <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I guess before we jump into the sports on then two more questions to ask first one is would it be on your bottom 100s I think we know the answer to this by default it would be in my top 100 nice <laughs> it would not be in my bottom 100 would it be in your top 100 I don't think so because Grace is thrown down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew no um, no it wouldn't um, I mean it, it's it's um it used it used to be that um, it was kind of ob, uh, obscure dislikes 
that um, appeared on, on, on the bottom 100. Like, things that you didn't even know existed. Were, were hated so much. Yeah, Or things, or, or that, things that you didn't know they existed. There was a yeah. lot of that. When Vladimir I was Putin's propaganda, for example. Yeah. But now there is a kind of, like, um, much more kind of visible hatred. Yes. Um, on the, on, on, and very on, much focused on the, on the targets 100. you would expect it to be Yeah, targeted. stuff that you wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, that uh, but just disappointed that that, <laughs> that, that like so people obvious. hate the, yeah. um, this so much. Yeah, um, and it's it like it it does it it doesn't make any sense. Like like it's it's on. It, I think they I think they've covered it on like how did this get made, and it definitely kind of like is um, in some of their wheelhouse in being a kind of like a, a camp kind of. Um, um, outrageous movie where it's 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 certainly a crazy movie, but it's 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 just a lot of fun. We laughed a lot watching it. Yeah, um, and the movie and was not, in on the show. Not laughing well. at it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then finally, or sorry, in that laughing. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> laughing along with it. Laughing along with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, the question is: Then, if people who are listening to this podcast already haven't watched Spice World, would you recommend that they pause the podcast, run out, watch it, and come back and join us in the spoiler zone? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, I mean, even if you have no interest in the Spice Girls or if, if that wasn't your uh, generational zeitgeist or whatever, it is such a fascinating time capsule of a movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I was going to say, I think, you know, your, your interest in it and your mileage may vary, I suppose, depending on how connected you were to the whole Spice phenomenon. But it's really fun to look at and it is such a moment in time and such a, a portrait of a cultural phenomenon that I think it really merits further further interest and further discussion and Andrew what what was <laughs> would you would you recommend that people watch oh yes <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you Andrew um, alright right, so <laughs> so join us on the other side of the spoiler zone so Grace <laughs> What is? How do we I didn't follow know that? They were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't think they were going to take it the whole way through to its logical conclusion. Oh, uh, we have, we have the full three verses written, but we'll spare you that. Here, people. Um, but uh, so, Grace. Yes. What is Spice World about for you? Mm. Um, I think to to echo something Marianne mentioned that it is such a, a really lovely story about female friendship, and I think that's why for me. Um, like when I think back on what I loved about the Spice Girls, kind of like what we were saying earlier about like all of the references in their songs to like how friendship was really important and boys weren't necessarily as important as people were telling you they needed to be. And um, I like the way that these messages are pitched in this film, like really, I don't want to say subtle because it's not particularly subtle, but it's not like they're standing there giving you a lecture is my point. Like it's it's portrayed in a very kind of naturalistic way that they just like hanging out with each other and singing songs and having fun. And that's such a pure, I think, thing to experience, especially when you're younger. But even now, like when everyone is so cynical and dismissive and you can't talk about anything without talking about it in its wider, Trumpian, bloody context, I'm like, I actually kind of miss when films are allowed to just be this like simple and heartfelt and just about having a bit of fun. It's just like a '90s thing, I think, in, in a way. And, and again, Andrew, oh, yeah. Andrew's, Andrew's <laughs> already looking at me. But in terms of like the ni- westward, the ni- well, okay, we're, 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 we're I, I do feel like the '90s were, and I say this quite often. The '90s to me were the last time I felt like everything was slowly getting better. 
And ever since like 2001, it's slowly been getting worse. Well, so there is something kind of being nostalgic for an era when you felt like, yeah, things are gradually improving. Well, like it's all to play for. I mean, like we, we, should, we should be honest. The 90s were like a turbulent decade, particularly in like Eastern Europe and in the Middle East and stuff like that. Before, but if you were eight... If you were eight and in Europe and or in North hopeful. America. In a small town in Ireland. Yeah, it seemed perfect because the Cold War was over. The threat of nuclear annihilation was gone. There was no evil empire against which you had to define yourself or found yourself caught in the middle of if you were Ireland. There was no push and pull. It was literally just like you would reach a point where everybody had accepted in theory that liberal democracy was a good thing. Everybody accepted that like equality of the sexes, to quote the philosopher Ginger, was also like a thing that was worth advancing. You had this idea. The Nazis you, are accepted as bad guys in yeah, most movies. Yeah, you could, you had this thing where you could have five women stand up and say things like girl power and, you know, talk about, like, female empowerment in a very broad and general way without attracting, like, an immediate backlash or response. Like, if you had a band like the Spice Girls today, even offering the kind of... And, I mean, you guys pointed out it's a very gentle form of feminism, but even if they were doing that today, you would still be getting death threats and you'd still be getting, like people ranting on the internet and you did like we, we'll probably end up talking about this a little bit you did end up with people ranting about like how the Spice Girls were destroying popular culture yeah, but it wasn't I, as I big a thing I don't think things are any worse now than than uh, than they ever have been well I mean they're, they're, like, like the the, the um, like we, we we I suppose we can look at our own country and 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 and, and think of um, certain ways in which this um this country has 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 maybe like uh, anyway. No, sorry, not to get too political, but um, the, the 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 way the kind of like citizens' assembly is kind of being listened to, and a, a lot of kind of like progressive uh, oh, yeah. measures in society and things changing. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the world and the sorry. We're, no, no, but I mean, yeah. like the. Um, I know we're talking about spice world here. Yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, sorry. no, I, I, think um, it, I think it is worth talking about though. Like in the nineties, there was a big argument of, happening at the moment though. Which about one? whether things are getting better or worse. I mean, I think things are getting better, but they're a lot less contentious. They, they were a lot less contentious in the 90s. Things, I would argue, are moving slower in terms of, like, advances in gay rights, transsexual recognition, things like that. Um, that stuff is, is moved on a great deal. Stuff like, for example, abortion rights for women have moved on a great deal, even from the 90s and stuff like that, even though they're, they're under threat at the moment, obviously, in the States and places like that. But I think pop culture was a lot less contentious in the 90s. I think oh there was God, yeah. a much broader acceptance that we were moving forward. Now, we were probably moving forward slower, which is probably why things were less contentious. I mean, you did have culture wars in the 90s. You did have stuff like Al Gore, Tipper Gore, complaining about violence in video games, for example. You did have things about, like, lawsuits against particular movies for portraying scenes of violence. You did have protests against, like, Quentin Tarantino, Oliver Stone. But that stuff was, like in the background buried it wasn't in the foreground you weren't sort of dealing with stuff like does this movie have the right amount of american flags in it does it have too many does it have too few and yeah, I, think, I, I think that's just because there's more polarization yeah i don't yeah, think no. there's overall uh, that everyone has gotten worse no but, but I, I think I, it's I, also I, that the conversation has gotten more complicated yeah. i mean the 90s girl power movement like looking back was actually the start of third wave feminism at which point the conversation, you know, like, and this was like what was so, especially as a young girl, what was so great about the Spice Girls is that the message wasn't complicated. Yeah. And it wasn't, and crucial, and I think this is what was really crucial about the Spice Girls. Their message wasn't girls should be equal. Their message was girls are equal. Like there was a sense of we're already there. 
you yeah. know, we don't have to fight for this. Yeah. We can just like wear crazy clothes and have fun. Yeah. Because this is the 90s. So, and it's almost a sense that... At the end of history. Yeah. Like, yeah, like we are... We've arrived. Like We've we- arrived in the age of equality. And then obviously, like, since the 2000s... And also, it's, I guess, that we've grown up and yeah. we're actually more aware <laughs> of yeah. the news. Um, the, but it's that this conversation has become increasingly more complicated and that you have to like grapple with the nuance yeah yeah which and that's something that's really changed and it does make it more difficult but then also means that you get more meaningful advances when yeah. they do come yeah mm-hmm. so thanks spice girls <laughs> <laughs> but no no and i think that's right and that sort of taps into i think what andrew was saying there like things are obviously in a lot of ways better than they were in the 90s but it's more contentious and more polarized yeah and it does, does feel like you have to make a much stronger argument for something which should be self-evident like the thing i just said about nazis being bad mm-hmm. you know the fact that like if you, if you could time travel back to the 90s and have this conversation with somebody where it's like someday you're gonna have to like talk about people who don't see a bad thing when they think about like fascism or nazism Nazi Germany. Um, and that's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with because I think the idea in the 90s was the sense that like, you know, society accepted that certain things were just bad. Other things needed to be talked about. And we were very slowly sort of getting there. And it just sort of feels like we've regressed massively. And that has filtered into pop culture where people, I'm like, I feel like people were always very, very, very invested in the pop culture that they love, but something seems to have gotten so much more amplified in the past while where, like, people have allowed it to infiltrate their identities to such an extent that they take personal offense if something is not exactly the way they want it to be. And I'm sure there were people like that before, but I don't know if they were quite as loud or well, as Well, they visible. couldn't find each other as easily, yeah, yeah. I think, is crucially yeah. crucial. Yeah. The internet sort of made... If you, if, you, if you had those views, you felt like you were shamed and alone for having them. Now you network and you can find people who can. I also think there's an argument to be made that, like, the line between... And this maybe will bring us back to talking about Spice a little bit. The line between pop culture and everything else has sort of evaporated in recent years, particularly in the, in the new millennium, in sort of like the sense that like you have a president of the United States who was a reality TV show star, to pick an example. You have a rapper who was considering running for president. You have a talk show host who was apparently considering a presidential run. You have things like that. You have like the Irish presidential election had three people who hosted our version of The Apprentice almost, you know? And, like you have this sense that the boundaries between pop culture and literally everything else are now non-existent. It's impossible. And so, I think as Grace pointed out, your politics become your pop culture and your pop culture becomes your politics in a way that it always wasn't. But what's interesting, I think, about Spice World is that that's arriving at a time in the 90s when that stuff is sort of blurring, when we're sort of getting this sort of... When the boundaries are beginning to break down between, like, the image... And the thing itself. I mean, you're talking about things like Cops on Fox, for example, being one of the earliest reality TV shows launching in 1988. But I mean, also just even this idea of the Spice Girls themselves as perfectly manufactured like pop personas. And like, they, they even, they joke about this. It's a very self-aware movie. They joke about it during the photo shoot. There's a wonderful photo shoot sequence where the characters all swap clothes with one another and like their personalities become interchangeable as a result but also things where they're talking about like where you have again that great line from sporty where why can't i be sporty and likes other stuff too spice girl that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff but also like the idea that because she is sporty every line that she has in this film involves things like oh 
you look like you're going to give birth to a football or uh, <laughs> yeah. I better get to the mass that's starting at four o'clock and stuff like that. Yeah. And every line that Posh has has With to arms relate. like that, she'll be a great goalie. So yeah. Yeah. Like it's really it's, like, it's also like specifically football. It's like she yeah. doesn't like tennis. She's football spice. Yeah. It's very kind of laddish, I think. And an England fan. That's yeah. it. That's her defining attribute. Yeah. But like even within within Spice World, you have that level of. And again, this is a movie that was aimed at a very young audience, but it's an incredibly self-aware, like winking at the audience kind of film. It has like a moment where the the writer who is writing the film pitches the plot of the film at the climax as it's literally happening. You have Meatloaf, who is probably a complete stranger to the audience of like eight to 14 year old girls who are going to see this, <laughs> saying <was>. lines <laughs> that riff off his classic and iconic 80s hits. I would do anything for those girls, but, but I wouldn't I do, do that. that. Um, and there, have- there's a lot of stuff for, 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 for people who aren't maybe kind of the audience for the movie. Like, do the eight or 12 year old girls know who Elvis Costello is? No. Um, I, I like would like to point out that I did not know that was Elvis Costello until like three weeks ago when we went to see it in the lighthouse and like people were giggling so I turned to my sister and I was like is that somebody famous and she's like yeah it's Elvis Costello and I was like oh it's a great this is my 30th year upon the earth it's, it's, it's like celebrity is so fickle <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns to Elvis Costello and he's just serving drinks and it's like make that a double um, <laughs> yeah it's not I mean, like Roger Moore is in it like I just I didn't know any of this there, I think some... I, I knew Roger Moore from Bond but there were definitely people that I did not know that I only twigged who they were as I got older also like Roger Moore in the performance of a lifetime, I might add. More, more he has like, amazing lines in this too. It's just yeah. like nonsensical Mori takes his one chance to play Poirot, you know? It's and, and Stephen Fry pops up as a judge. But like, it's worth going through some of these sequences. Stephen Fry as a judge is incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, bring in Gary Barlow. You know, there's another version, presumably for the US audience, where they, he says, bring in Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to get up the the uh, lines that Roger Moore had in this. Mommy from the Ravage of Chaos. It is, worth, it, is, it, is, it is worth noting, like, for example, Moore, the writer, um, Kim Fuller. So basically the, the idea of the film came from the band's manager, Simon Fuller. Um, and basically, for those who don't know, the Spice Girls were a manufactured pop band. They all got the job. Well, four of them got the job by answering an advertisement saying, can you sing, can you dance? And going and live together. And the other one was Victoria, was it? Oh. <laughs> sorry. Andrew, I sense that Andrew may friend. not have a lot sorry. of warmth for Victoria. No, but no, you no. Know, that's I... kind of sad because, like, one of the things that stands out to me on rewatching this is how much Victoria is in on it. Like, her comic timing is excellent. She She's so pos- good. Possibly has the best comic yeah. timing of yeah. all of them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't answer who my favorite Spice Girl was, so I'm going to leave that as a mystery. But no, you is cannot. it Victoria? <laughs> it, it may be Victoria. Can we but... please leave butts and bums out of the <laughs> Um But yeah. <laughs> she also found... Uh, uh... She found David Beckham in in like a magazine or or in 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 a like catalog. a kind of like, yeah in like a catalog or portfolio apparently. <laughs> this is like 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 I think I heard thing. this story too. Yeah, who yeah. says yeah? Who says who says? When they were like looking at football. It's like nineties like, Tinder. Oh, that one is nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like turn the page to the right. Uh, but yeah, so the, the thing though is that the idea came, so basically that's how the band met. They bet, they met through this ad with the exception of Emma. Cause apparently there was a fifth Spice Girl who had to drop out, I think, because of a family illness. 
um, the Pete Best of the Spice Girls. And what happened is Victoria, who may or may not have Why known Pete Best, it was that was in a wig. Smiles <laughs> um, uh, again. Yeah, damn it. One of these days, um, it's like that time we got Ben said of take that. But the the thing is that so they had five, and then one of them dropped out. And I think Victoria knew Emma, brought in Emma. They sort of lived together for a little while. They fired their own managers, which is quite impressive. Like, they were brought together by this advertisement, by these managers looking to create a girl group. Got together, decided, we don't actually need these managers who brought us together. Fired them, recorded an album, and then sort of, like, got out there and became their own thing. When they lived with Bill Patterson. <laughs> from, from, um... Bill, Bill Patterson from those kind of Scottish movies where he's big into jazz in, 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 in this one. Oh, he, yes. Yeah. He plays Brian. At the bartender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this sort of flashback to their humble origins and stuff like that. I was trying like to figure out if I knew that guy from somewhere or if he was just a randomer. He's in that Ice Cream Wars movie. Um, I forget what that's called, but you know the one where it's in like um, uh, Edinburgh and there are these two... Um, it's based on a real story where there are these... Um, competing ice cream parlors parlors, and they had a a a, a, a gang war like a a turf war I am unfamiliar with the gang war (laughs) (laughs) one side really creamed the other we were were talking about dragons earlier Duncan Ballantyne was involved pretty cold blooded in the Edinburgh <laughs> Ice cream wars. Someone give him a laugh, or this is gonna keep going. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I'm sure they are both really chill guys underneath it all. But anyway, um, but th- this is the thing. So they they got together, and they're managed by this guy called Simon Fuller in the end. But his brother Kim Fuller wrote the script, mm-hmm. and his Fuller, brother. his brother, yeah, Kim Fuller, Kim Fuller. Okay. <laughs> who went on Kim Fuller became like and he sort of I thought that too really? I was reading the the the, 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 the additional um, dialogue by uh, Jamie Curtis no um, there, there were special features yeah. so they had like you choose like which is your favourite Spice Girl and then they would talk about it and they were talking about working with Kim and they were like um, um, working with working with him and working with Kim um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it was, a, but Fuller has become since then, he sort of specialized in writing these sort of movies. He wrote from Justin to Kelly, to give an example there. He's also responsible for all the S Club 7 when, television I'm, movies. Has he special. <gasps> what a CV. <laughs> Imagine having not only Spice World in your CV, but all of the S Club 7, 7 movies TV and the short lived S Club in LA TV series as oh, well. But what about Miami 7? Did he I believe that? he may also he may have provided additional concepts for that. God, I feel amazing. like that was less short lived than the movies. What movies were there of S Club 7? There were at least three of them direct there, to video. Oh. I assume there were just the the TV shows. Yeah, the TV shows. The TV shows were good. But maybe the the direct-to-video one may just be repackaging episodes of the show. Oh, maybe. I'm not going to pretend to be an S Club 7 expert. Miami 7 was better than LA 7. (laughs) And the backlash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as we all remember from the peak days. But he was talking about how... They all had had the same look. The Spice World, the <laughs> S Club 7 thing as well. Did he also work on Absolutely Fabulous? No, no. <laughs> no, that was Bob Spears. But the thing was, what Fuller would say is that he'd end up with people who would come up to him and say, I absolutely have to be in the movie. Which in part explains, because he's not going to say no to Bob Hoskins, but it explains why the movie is as episodic and random as it is. Mm-hmm. Because he would have people show up and say, well, you, you're doing the Spice Girls thing. I want to be in it. I don't care what you do. You've got to write me into this. And famously, we talked about those wonderful lines from Roger Moore. When the rabbit of chaos is pursued by the ferret of disorder through the fields of anarchy, it is time to hang your pants on the hook of darkness. 
Yep. Whether they're clean or not. He'd written the script with those lines in it. And apparently he'd had an argument with the producers and the band about the lines. They thought the lines weren't funny. They thought they're a bit weird. They're a bit out there, even for Spice World. And they're like, okay, we'll so take... So he was like, challenge accepted. Hands on to Roger Moore. <laughs> no, but he actually agreed to cut them. And then Roger Moore showed up to set the next day. And he's like, well, I spent all of yesterday learning them. I'm going to deliver them. You can choose what you do with the footage. And um, is, is, is some, some of the best Richard E. Grant is in this movie. Because a lot yeah. of the movie, I was feeling bad for him. Yes. <laughs> Richard, like, oh, is- Richard, this is terrible. Uh, but but his reactions to the kind of monologues from Roger Moore are, are always classic. Yeah, I love it. I would go out on a limb and say this may be my favorite Richard E. Grant performance. Take that with Nail and I. Yeah, you're talking about. I, I am a fan of Richard E. Grant and perhaps a little known film called Jack and Sarah. Oh yes, which yeah, is yeah. wonderful. He's hilarious in it and like really sad in parts so too. Sad. So yeah. So, yes, but I also have a huge soft spot for him in this, obviously. But yeah, and I, I have a real soft spot for the character as well. I feel like the character is in some ways the hero of the film. It's the one that you identify most with. As an with. adult, that I think be. you definitely identify with them. Because there's the part of you that, like, when you're grown up and jaded, and you're just like, oh, for God's sake, can we please just get this done? Well, it's also, wor- I imagine, very much like what being a parent is like. You're just like, stop this. Stop doing that. Please just show up when I tell you And to there's do. no reasoning with them. Yeah, you know, like, because their, their demands are not reasonable. Oh, <laughs> I'll I, buy you a Magnum. Please show up. Chocolate Magnum. I only meant the one that Darren associates most with. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's like, where are they? Darren <laughs> trying to organize this podcast. I'll keep behind how the podcast works. Yeah, yeah the mushrooms are nearly done. <laughs> I'm also British when I'm off mic. Uh, this is all just an affectation. My sideburns are excellent, though. My sideburn game is excellent. And your suits. Yeah. You're like head to toe green suit. I'm knee length. And the jacket, yeah. The, particularly like the leather waistcoat is a nice touch as well. But it, it's there just in terms of like talking about this. Also worth noting Meatloaf, who plays the bus driver. Ah, um, noted. Um, he was he was apparently a last minute recast. They had cast before. they cast Frank Bruno the boxer in the role, but apparently he stormed off set when the Spice Girls refused to sign an autograph for a nephew of his. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Everything just got very heavy. Very yeah. serious, yeah. And apparently they had to recast at the last minute, which is why you ended up with Meatloaf as the bus driver who's barely in the movie. Is yeah, that such yeah. a bad thing, though? I mean, it's Meatloaf. Yeah. It's, Everyone likes a bit of Meatloaf. It, it, no, Meatloaf is great, great, but that's a... Really gritty story. Yeah. yeah. The, there, there's, <laughs> there's a scene when two parents ask, um, ask some of the Spice Girls to go up and talk to their son who's in a coma. Malcolm. And you can see Victoria just kind of like pouting. It's amazing. <laughs> like um, uh, scowling. It's like, an um, incredible moment. It looks like she's never seen a child before. She's just yeah. like, what is this? <laughs> And yeah, she's just like, do I have to? What's oh. what's in it for me? Yes. And then it's implied that the promise of seeing Jerry's tits is what Which wakes was him accurate. up. Accurate. <laughs> that and child was Andrew. <laughs> no, I was sitting beside Andrew, and his eyes also opened at that moment. Um, yeah. I do. I do like that the the movie is very clearly like drawing attention to Jerry's own history. There's a lot of like playfulness around that. It is also. I think the movie has aged rather well in its treatment of celebrity to a certain extent. In that as much as the movie can be said to be about anything other than the Spice Girls have an adventure on a bus, 
Um, it is perhaps and the aliens and the haunted house. Yes, I loved that haunted house when yet as a child. Again, with the like, it's so on brand for me. I'm surprised they had so many kind of '90s um, celebrities, and that none none of the people who appeared in the movie turned out to be like massive child molesters. Speaking of which, I was going to say Gary Glitter was supposed to be in it. Was he supposed? He was supposed to have a cameo, and then at the last minute, they were like, "Near (laughs) miss." How the song ended up in it, but. He did not. Wow, there, good, good call. There was a sna- there was a bit of a flub in that scene where the reveal is uh, going to be that uh, all of the dancers have these assless um, chaps. Uh, chaps. Um, but you see that earlier in the scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you, 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 you see. Oh, they're wearing assless chaps, and this is before the punch. They, before they jump, turn around, yeah. and it's like yeah. oh, this was the compromise which, here, which is kind of like one of the ways in which, like, you can tell that this isn't a a, a good movie. In 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 yeah, in, in, um, yeah. <laughs> in that it's it's a fun movie. It's highly enjoyable, and it's kind yeah. of interesting to look at. It's not necessarily a well-made film, perhaps. No, yeah. but I did love the, um, um, it might be uh, like perhaps a highlight for, for, for you guys too, but when they're talking about how the movie is going to end, <laughs> and it's going to jump over a bridge. And then but that's very expensive. That's very, it's amazing. It's yeah. expensive. Not necessarily. <laughs> yes. I love that. And we cut Inside to Inside into movie making therefore. Yeah. Yeah. And you cut to like a little model bus jumping over yeah. like a cardboard bridge. It's because like that bit in uh, Wayne's World, the second Wayne's World, where they're just like, I can't believe they are flying us all the way to England and it's like a plane on a little stick. <laughs> yeah. And then like two generic body doubles just walking around Piccadilly Circus yeah. or something. They're like, wow, I can't believe they flew us all the way over here. <laughs> but I thought but I, they would have just hired doubles. I, I love, I love um, that it's kind of like making fun of the movie that it's in yes as well because it's so um, in spite of how huge uh, Spice Girls are and in spite of how kind of huge this movie is in terms of like everybody wants to be in it it's really kind of uh, yeah kind of low budget kind of yeah. together. Well, I mean, like, there's the, the really great credit sequence, you know, which which now would be a post-credit sequence, which is, like, it's actually probably the most impressive sequence in the film because it's a one-er. Uh, it's a one-er with this huge ensemble of famous people who are just hanging out while the camera moves through and goes from Richard O'Brien complaining about kids not liking him, which is great, the guy from uh, Shock Therapy and the Rocky Horror Picture Show worried that Spice World but would be the one. But more importantly, the Crystal Maze. Ah, yes. So I think he had, like, a riposte. And oh, yeah, then, I see what they were going for. And then to Alan Cumming, talking about how uh, how excited he gets when the Spice Girls show up. Uh, apparently, on his last day of filming, they all signed him with a, with a Sharpie. They pulled off his shirt and signed him with a Sharpie, um, which caused problems when he went swimming. He did joke that he would have been called Old Spice um, if he was doing <laughs> it. Uh, but And then you have even just like the little bit where they do the little commentary over as well. It's a very self-aware film. Yeah, it's awareness of its own naffness, I think, is what has made it age well. You know, mm-hmm. and the fact that that carries throughout the fact that the Spice Girls themselves clearly have a huge sense of humor about their status as manufactured pop stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's never any uh, attempt to make it seem like, oh, this is their genuine lives, yeah. you know? No. 
Yeah, no, there's never like it's never like a star is born but starring the Spice Girls. Yeah, they even do like the cliche throwback to how they were like sitting in the cafe talking about how they'd be famous someday, and it's always like a really winking like yeah. And we have this CD of wannabe. (laughs) It's completely like a completely prepared demo ready to go. (laughs) Um, It it made a lot of sense because at the time there was a kind of a um, oasis or blur kind of um, dilemma, but it is like, well, do I like the, the the southern? Uh, band or do I like the northern band? Oh, there's, there, um, but for 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 eight year old girls, there wasn't the same problem because but, they 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 had southern girls and northern girls. But it was also that I mean I don't know about you guys, but as an eight year old in rural Ireland, I and also I lived in England for a while. I had no awareness of the geography. I did they not. Up a lot in the movie. I know they do. I was like, I don't know where Leeds is. I used to live near there. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the beginning and end of, of that familiarity was like, some of them sound a bit different to the other one. Yeah. That, that's about it. Is that your baby? <laughs> some of them kind of sound like they're in EastEnders, and some of them sound like they're in Coronation Street, and some of them, like, well, like just, that's it. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, like, the optimism of the film, but we'll come back to that. But in terms of, like, we're talking about, like, how it's not invested in making any of the Spice Girls seem like real people. How do we feel about the Spice Girls' pregnant best friend? This is by far the most random storyline in it. I think even to this day, I can't quite wrap my head around what, I, I what wonder, they were going for there. I wonder if she's meant to be the relatable one, like the audience surrogate. So it's like, if you, you don't have so to choose... So they made her a pregnant single mother. That's it, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to choose to be one of the Spice Girls. The Spice Girls will hang out with you anyway, even though you're not famous. But it also is just so clear about how she's having a... Time. I mean, there's a whole club sequence at the Ministry of Sound where she's bopping alone on a balcony, like holding her pregnant belly with like a diet Pepsi. And but the, it's okay because she, she had a gin and orange earlier yeah. in the evening. But the girls are like waving from the floor as though that's fun, as though you're like nothing more I love on a night yeah. out than like waving at my friends who are dancing. And then the part at the banquet where like somebody comes up and asks her, she basically asks her if she's famous, and she's like, "No, I'm just nobody." And then he just walks. I'm off. just a pregnant school child. <laughs> <laughs> She's always wearing this school bag. bag. But I'm, <laughs> I'm a bolero. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I particularly like that, that that sequence in terms of because it's framed in such a way as like the girls are doing something nice for her by bringing her to the Ministry of Sound and ditching her. Yeah, um, which is a very strange dynamic. But it makes me wonder: like, is the point of that character to be like the Spice Girls are relatable because they have a friend who isn't famous? And that friend could be you. Now, in fairness, that friend has no family. So it's very charitable that they chose to be at the hospital since (laughs) no one else was. There's an amazing scene in the hospital where they're they're looking after uh, their their friend. when they're they're supposed they're, They're looking after Nicola. They're supposed to be at the Royal Albert Hall. And a, a nurse comes in and it's like, are you finishing your shift now? And it's like, yes, I'm off to see the Spice Girls at the Royal Albert Hall. I better go off now. This nurse doesn't kind of notice. No, no she doesn't. She, does. she, does. she, she says, see all of you later, hopefully. hopefully. Uh-huh. So, so it's even weirder. She doesn't really remark on it very like, oh my God. No, no, it's, it's the weirdest thing because she comes in and does this performative like, I'll be seeing the Spice Girls later. Knowing full well they're in the room. They're in the room. And I then thought she didn't realize. No, but it's even weirder because then she's like, see you later. Hopefully. Hopefully. 
It's and it's like, do you know that they're gonna still be here? What is? <laughs> I don't want to have to get a refund on this. Hint, it's very, hint. very strange. But um, I do, right. I do wonder though if that's the thing. If it's meant to be like, because if if you're if the Spice Girls are all prepackaged. And so, like, there's a scary one, a sporty one, a posh one, a baby one, a ginger one. Now, if you don't happen to be a scary one, a, spo- a sporty one, a posh one, a you're, ginger you're one. You're a pregnant Asian one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the news of the world famously, and in a wonderful display of tact for which they are well known, referred to her as Rice Spice. Oh, oh God. Yeah. If you want to go back, like, how recent that sort of, like, casual racism is, yeah, there we go. Um, the actor, the actor is... Uh, and I apologize, I'm going to mangle this. Uh, Nico Mori, who uh, who also appeared in like Torchwood on BBC for a couple oh. of seasons, she played Tosh. Uh, but she's sort of she's talked about that and how yes, it is horribly racist, but she still has the press clippings because she thought it was pretty funny too. Yeah, I mean, and it, we see in that flashback scene that she was also potentially goth spice at one point, <laughs> but was obviously... It's even weird that even at the time, she's like, I'm your groupie when we're all teenagers. I'm not in your fun band. <laughs> Couldn't you make me your manager or something? Clifford doesn't seem that cool. Yeah. It's like, at, at some point, they were all like kind of six friends and... One of them had no talent. Yeah, I mean, they 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 were they were just a, a group of six friends, and there was nothing kind of like separating that uh, six person from the group. And then they all kind of like went off to 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 do this thing. I'm sure they could have had a sixth member. <laughs> well, there was there's a really strange kind of through line in it, though. Like the fact that she's pregnant, it's sort of very much implied that it's like. Well, this is obviously like the end of your life. You know, there's no way you could be. <laughs> well, they have a like, flash forward something. sequence where it's like, yeah. like the Spice Girls imagine having kids, and it's like the end of everybody's dreams. Mousy is great in that. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah they're all pretty good actually yeah. in that. Brucey, it's they were having a lot of fun. But it's such a strange, and then but it's also so like so like obviously like the Spice Girls brand of sex appeal is so weirdly desexualized. Like, with Jerry occupying the role of the sexy one, but it's such a weird camp, like, Moulin Rouge style. <laughs> like, so you described her as a turn-of-the-century madame at a brothel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I only get that because she's, like, a bit older than the others and seems to be in charge. <laughs> well, but, she also has that Gruella de Vil whip going yeah, on. Yeah, it's, and it's, like, it's so burlesque, you know, and I don't know. I don't know as young men if that like did anything for you, but I certainly. I think we know from Andrew that it did. But it certainly. You're just putting like a slide whistle into the <laughs> end of there. <laughs> like, um, is that what you're going to do there? <laughs> anyway, anyway, but it's sort of like, but at the same time, it's implied that they have like an awareness of like what men are and how they work. Like, there's this really like cruel moment where where they're like oh she's like about to give birth what do we do and Ginger is like oh maybe close your legs and Mel B is like oh it's a bit late for that she should have done it nine months ago and it's just like okay women supporting women like let's get back on track so obviously she knows that it wasn't Mel but I do feel like that I mean I like that Mel B is is scary spice because she's the scary judgmental spice but I think it is also but then if you think about the target audience of like young girls, girls and, and funny joke well funny yeah. joke but also real concern 
yeah. like crisis pregnancies among teenage girls. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that would be something that would have been... Interesting. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it wouldn't have been like, too long after that that the infamous Sarah Platt storyline oh, in Coronation Street happened because that, that was my first introduction to the horrors of teenage pregnancy because she was only meant to be like 13 in that. So... Yes, yeah, but I think following it, on from but what I think it was like a sort of uh it was a time where like don't get pregnant like it is the end of your life was like at a safe remove from slut shaming. You know, it's not kind of like oh like you shouldn't be having sex. None of us really know what that is anyway. We're like weirdly ignorant about how pregnancy even works, but it's also implied that like we do have like ex-boyfriends and things it's all very strange you know which that part when they're in italy and jerry says something like you know do you think that thing down there is real oh socks yeah Yeah. i think it sucks it looks like yeah there's a lot of jokes about like packages and Mm -hmm. you know that yes in that context actually was i the only one who found baby spice very weird no okay in terms of like that She, she was like, in terms of, like, because she's presented as this weird, innocent girl who constantly has a lollipop in her mouth, um, which is both to suggest innocence, but also creepily sexualized. Like, when they get on the Spice like Bus, which is a TARDIS, they have, like, her little corner, which has, like, stuffed teddy bears and, and a, swing. a swing set. She wears, like, this nighty, and she's bought with a chocolate magnum and stuff I, like that. I, and she talks to, like, the stripper about, like, all her favorite stuffed animals. Sorry, I, sort of- I, I feel like, and the... Um, uh, Grace and Marianne might be able to kind of uh, tell me if this is correct or not, perhaps. But I feel like the, each of the Spice Girls kind of represents something for a uh, for a young uh, girl, and kind of like allow, allow allows you to look at the at the five of them and 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 think like, oh, I'm I'm that one, and and um, and the Baby Spice is is somebody who. While while her friends are kind of like um, uh, very kind of you know hungry, hungry to kind of become mature and like into boys are um, are very kind of um, <laughs> sporty or, 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 or whatever <laughs> or scary. you have. There's uh, there's there's a kind of like um, sometimes when you're a child when you're a young boy or young girl you want to kind of cling on a little bit to to uh, childhood. And I, I don't, I don't think Emma um, represents a um, a type of an adult. I, I, I think she's there for to represent a particular type of of of, of young girl but who, who who maybe yeah. feels a bit alienated. But yeah, she's no. also aware of that, like the whole thing about her being able to get away with murder because she smiles and bats her eyes. Sorry. Yeah, or- the, the thing is, I don't think they actually put that much thought into it in that sense i think it's probably something that might have aged a bit badly because it looks creepy to us now to have someone that's infantilized in that way but you're also dealing with someone who is like you said marianne kind of like as part of a whole they're all kind of weirdly desexualized and i think like andrew is right in the sense that from a marketing perspective she might have been the one put in there to appeal to the youngest among them who might necessarily be caught up enough to know like what some of the others were into or interested Mm. in or whatever um and she allows you to sort of be into the spice girls and have kind of your own insert character as it were who's into all the kind of cutesy stuff that you are but i think when you look at it now like with adult eyes part of you does just see a weird level of infantilization that's maybe a little bit unsettling um but Mm. i don't think it was intended in that way i think it might just have aged a bit badly in that sense if that makes sense 
Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. I do think, yeah, it is a little bit disturbing looking back on it. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I mean, I would disagree in the sense that I don't think the Spice Girls marketing machine was naive enough to think that there was no, like, sexual appeal yeah. this specific specific brand of femininity had. Because I think that... Yeah, no, no, not in that sense. Yeah. I think I was mentioning the way you were Smart like, they're not, like, overtly sure. sexualized, you know? Like, yeah. it's... It's, it's not thirty rock presenting her It's absolutely and it's absolutely not their main target audience. Yeah. But I think like the weakness of the Spice Girls was always that they had this thing where it's like, oh, like you can be like any kind of woman, but even within these five types, we've kind of run out of ideas <laughs> because like scary spice and ginger spice have a lot of overlap. It, like it's and also don't they aren't rigidly defined either. They're like. not rigid, and it's still um, like it's still limiting in some ways. Oh, yes. And I mean, I even found that as a kid, where I was like, I don't know which Spice Girl I am. No, I'm not as confident as any of these girls for a start. But you know, like, yeah, there was there was a sort of yeah. I mean, there was no nerdy spice, for example. You know, there was. But still- Jerry plays chess. Sure. And books. Yeah, but like she that's, was uh, but that's kind n- of an, an, uh, she was certainly portrayed as nerdy spice. In, in this movie, oh, but yeah. not like when you're like consuming the Spice Girls as a sort of a visu- visually, certainly. I, yeah. I think she was more a spokesperson for the band as well. Well, she was the one responsible for the feminism. About, yeah. Um, and ironically, not the that. first to leave. Um, <laughs> ironically as well, the first to leave, which is kind of strange. Because I, I never realized until I read the interviews with the band, and, and the band give great interviews, we'll include some in the show notes, that Jerry was very much like the, the ringleader focus point vision of the band, the point where in hindsight I'm wondering why she would have left. It seems strange. Well, what's the age gaps, though? I think um, when the Spice Girls started, because I looked this up recently, actually, I think Jerry would have been maybe like 26 or so here, and... Emma was the youngest. She was maybe 22. And the others were like 23, 24. So we're not talking about massive age gaps. Sure. But, but I think... Sizable enough to for her to maybe think well, at some stage, I'm going to move on. Well, it sounds like Jerry hit 30 or thereabouts <laughs> and was like, you I'm know. done here. I, well, yeah. <laughs> My work here is done. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can completely see how the oldest member would be the first to go. You know, mm-hmm. the, like she can see that there's a sell-by date on this. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then when she went into her solo career, like her first song, unless I'm very much mistaken, was look, called Look At Me. And it had that very like oh, I remember that indie, individualistic yeah. sort of thing going on. So, yeah, um, which was and pretty got, intentional. She, and was all, she was all like natural. Like you could yeah. see her like freckles and she got all the red stripped out of her hair. Was, yeah. Um, Mel C was really the one with pipes, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's the one who did the Brian Adams song "Baby When You're Gone," right? Yeah, it's yeah. a great song. And, and the other one is um, what was it? I thought that we could just be friends. Wasn't that the things will never be the same again? That's the yeah. Brian Adams song, isn't it? Oh no, no, no yeah, that's, that's a different one. song. Oh Baby yeah, that's Baby When You're solo. Gone is the is the yeah, Brian Adams song. both Baby When You're Gone. Yeah, both of those songs. Mel, Mel, Mel C is definitely like the, the perhaps and, most vocally and, talented and kind of both. like within the within, within the band. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but she did. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a reality show possibly called Superstar where they were looking for a star for Jesus Christ Superstar on the West End like with Andrew Lloyd Webber as a judge, but this person was going to star opposite Mel C playing Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene's song in Jesus Christ Superstar requires a serious set of pipes. So it was just like the fact that she was like already cast in this. I was like, oh, 
It's well, this, is, this is where the, the guys all, like when they responded to the ad, like the you know the girls who can dance and sing wanted ad. What they discovered was they all knew each other already because they all inter- they all had gone to all the previous auditions. Like they all trained, they'd all done like show tunes stuff like that. Like they'd done Andrew Lloyd Webber and stuff like that. So I mean that probably makes sense actually that she had that sort of experience there. Mm-hmm. She was great. <laughs> but in terms of just in terms of the film is it worth t- talking a little bit about the notion of celebrity as it appears in there because one of the things that was kind of interesting watching it's a very unfocused film it's very sketchy it's very bitty which is what you expect from a film like this and that it's very much like every idea you have at the wall we like, it's I mean, like it's like comic relief yeah it's like watching kind of um, uh, an hour and a half of of, of comic relief but it's just the Spice Girls and other um, celebrities like Bob Geldof and Elton John kind of coming Popping in for in. little sketches. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, one of the interesting things With is... The it, story. It has... Yeah, it's through lines tend to focus on this idea of media and celebrity. In particular, the relationship that exists between the Spice Girls and the media to the point where you could argue the villain of the film is basically Rupert Murdoch. Um, and his red top tabloids here played by uh, Barry Humphreys as uh, is it Max uh, Kevin, Ma- Maxford, Maxford. yeah Maxford uh, but you even have like outside of that you have the documentary film crew which is head by Alan Cumming who's trying to get the Spice Girls to say something profound or meaningful about the decade which is arguably preemptively spoofing everything that I've said on this podcast um, yes. but I mean hey if I'm, if I'm going to be spoofed Alan, Alan, Alan Cumming is probably the best way to do it but you have this idea that runs through the film of like the Spice Girls trying to be sort of examined through certain prisms and treated as objects and like narrativized by people who are not them and try to be put in places, usually by men as well, to be put in like, to be contextualized and explained and reduced down to like a simple, easy to follow narrative, which I find very interesting. And that's why you're making this documentary. That I am, yeah, at the Spice Girls. They'll, in this essay, I They'll be coming, coming along the corridor now, just as we're speaking. Did you get that? But I think it is, I mean, and it is interesting that it's exclusively men trying to manipulate yeah. them and exploit them and mm. make the, make their fame and success either to undermine it or to make it work for them. And I don't think they ever really break out of that per se. It's not a very, uh, again, I guess because the movie is so, Unfocused, but I do think it is a kind of maybe extremely subtle look at, you know, you've got five female superstars like navigating their way through a patriarchal industry that wants them to be a certain way and wants them to be a certain thing. And they are in a fun, non-threatening way, <laughs> resisting that yeah. at various yeah. points. Like, ah, don't worry about that. Yeah. yeah. That's well, kind of the, the reaction to it all the time. It's like, hey, uh, like eventually it's like, hey, he's taking photos of us. Yeah. Um, Let's chase him down. And then when they catch him, he just changes his mind. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, there is something interesting because you read a lot of contemporary interviews with the band. There's a Rolling Stone profile, which is great. And by the way, the the interviews with the Spice Girls from the 90s are fantastic if you can get a hold of them. They talk about absolutely everything, like everything from like their periods being in sync to their sex lives to victimizing ex-boyfriends who tried to sell stories of their previous relationships. But there's a sense in which they talk about how like their 
being preyed upon by the red tops at the time. And so, for example, we're talking about stuff like Jerry Halliwell having those photos that she sold as like a much younger woman, no, or a younger woman anyway, having those exploited for gain. We're talking about stuff like Emma Bunting going on hol- Emma Bunting going on holidays with her mother. And having not only nude paparazzi pictures of her on the beach published, but nude pictures of her mother on the same beach published as well. You have stories about newspapers. Include those in our show notes. Uh, we are not going to include those in our show <laughs> no. notes. Thank you, Andrew. Um, but yeah, you, sorry, we are not Deadline Hollywood. We are not, uh, is it, uh, Jeffrey Wells? We are not Jeffrey Wells. No. But, but the whole thing is that, like, so I can understand why the movie's focusing on that. And it actually feels almost like, an auteurish decision from the Spice Girls. Like, we're making a movie. What's the movie going to be about? It's going to be about this relationship that we have with the wider press, and in particular with the paparazzi, here played by like Richard O'Brien, who is the guy from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, in case you want to get a sense of how they feel about paparazzi. Um, ter- the, the, the scene where he's introduced in this is terrific. All of the scenes with Barry Humphreys... And Jason Fleming. <laughs> Jason, Jason Fleming. Fleming, yeah, where it's just like... I just wish you wouldn't be so angry. Where <laughs> <laughs> the torrential downpour is started. Which is amazing, because yeah. it's just so, it's such a silly life. Like, yeah. Um, or even the bit where he's, something's out. happening to my face, I don't know what it is. Oh, you're smiling. Um, but it has this sort of, but it's interesting how when you read the Spice Girls responding to stuff like that, and even in the Rolling Stones article, or Rolling Stone article, their reaction to it is like, an incredibly mature reaction for women who were in their young 20s when this was happening. And their reaction amounts to, at the end of the day, we're famous and they're not. We're never going to have to worry about paying bills for the rest of our natural lives. This is water off a duck's back, basically. Uh, it's annoying and it's irritating and maybe we wish they wouldn't do it. But on the other hand, and I think it's Mel B who observes, who has the last laugh here? Um, and it's it, you get a sense of that with the film, where the girls... Like, it's never the girls versus the press, except for that sequence at the end where Sporty chases down um, the guy, Richard O'Brien. It's the press... Being above it. Yeah, it's the press trying to exploit the girls, and the girls being mostly oblivious. The girls yeah. aren't even aware... Like, the opening scene with Alan Cumming is they just walk down the corridor right past him, as if nothing happened. Later on, he tries to get into the little gala that they're at, uh, and makes his own little three-become-one reference, which I quite liked. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody who appreciates wordplay and Alan Cumming. But it, it's kind of interesting that the film sort of approaches celebrity in that way, I think. Yeah. Well, even then you have that later scene where, like, um, Clifford has a complete meltdown over something in the paper and he comes out and he's just, like, seething and his face is going bright red and they're just like, Clifford, calm down and basically imply that, like, he needs to get laid. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> like, they're so completely nonplussed by it. They're just like, Clifford, like, relax. Yeah, it's grand. And that also feels like an almost improvised scene. It's one of the most natural scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the lying film. there in dressing gowns. Like, yeah. For no apparent reason. Just oh, this is the one where they're in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they're just hanging out, but they're all talking oh, over each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they're saying, like, oh, yeah, men can be kind of insensitive, though, as well. And they say that men have trouble expressing their feelings. Men yeah. have they're addressing how the patriarchy also makes things difficult yeah, for men. Yeah. Like the Spice Girls this are is truly the revolutionary. It does feel like they're ad-libbing, though, yeah. <laughs> no, it does. Um, and, yeah, I think if there's any kind of, like, line of truth, and, like, when we were reading the... Uh, the extras before yeah. the film, there was some stuff about, oh yeah, we actually had like quite a lot of input on the script. 
And I'd say that is probably because that would have been the reality of their experience yeah. at mm-hmm. the time is that they're five like relatively normal girls from normal backgrounds, yeah. like catapulted to this level of superstardom that was l- like it was a level of stardom that kind of redefined what stardom what, what, was. A, yeah. what, what it means to be a pop star or yeah. what it means to be a girl band, certainly. Except yeah. for Victoria, of course, who is a baroness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was like so uh, peculiar. Like that that whole thing of her being uh, kind of uh, posh spice. And like none of them are posh spice. Right? But I think no, she's, she's the spice with notions. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, right, that's right. what that means. You know, it's like, she, she dresses yeah, like well. She, she dresses doesn't like well. how she smiles is the thing as well. Yeah. I mean, there was the, there was the moment when they had Dominic West as a photographer, and, and I think uh, he was like, "Smile, girls!" And Andrew was like, "That means you, Victoria." Yeah, and he was like, "Energy, please." <laughs> she has a gorgeous smile as well. That's such a pity. Yeah. But um, but she has, such a, she has a great sense of humor as well. Yeah. Actually, she did a recent video with I think it was um, Vogue, where she sort of basically took various degrees of, of piss out of herself. Uh, where she announced that she was going to do a big photo shoot and then proceeded to dress as each of the other four Spice Girls as part of a bold original statement about who she was, which I quite admire uh, for somebody who's like, hey, I'm not going to tour with the Spice Girls. Um, I think we know who Darren's favourite Spice Girl is. <laughs> Surprising no one. Um, it's such a pity it's like three for Jerry that we would not have a... That we have, have no a... one has like strong opinions on Mel B or anything. I, I'm, uh, Mel B would be my second choice. I feel like in term in terms of in terms of uh, singing talent and having like a voice with character, I think we a lot of us are behind Mel C as well. One hundred percent, yeah. Also, just I think so the- comfortable. You know, in oh yeah, in those taxes. Well, there's a sequence where they change costumes, and Jerry is wearing sporty's yeah. attire. It's really like, comfy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mel C's responses don't get used to it. It's like yeah. we're changing right out of these. So many of her costumes are just so sloppy. Yeah, As, yeah. like she is like all the others. I mean, we're talking about like the weird relationship between like the Spice Girls and like as sex objects or like sexualized, you know, and how it's. It's a strange relationship, but Mel C, most of the time, is just actively like a girl going to the shop, you yeah, know, yeah. in any like town. Like a top, a pair of jeans, yeah. Yeah. Like a tracksuit A tracksuit top, something. yeah, the hoodie almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then Victoria's things. like the opposite end of the scale where she's always wearing high heels and like, you know, well, there's like great tailor recurring, dresses. And... Great recurring joke where Victoria can't run. So in any of the long shots that they have of the band, <laughs> Victoria seems to move between the cuts, which I quite admire. <laughs> She's she's like ten feet behind, but she's always ten feet behind, no matter yeah. how far the band have run. I can't run in these shoes. Um, but in ter- oh, there, is, there is also the um, it looks comfortable if if maybe a bit too warm. The Mel Mel B's kind of like spacesuit. Yeah. Of, um, well, that sort of ties into the whole me- like we talked about Jerry not having a distinct role in the band and therefore being able to be like the leader of the band and the brainy one at the same time. Mel B also doesn't have that identity as Scary Spice because she's not really that scary outside of like the uncomfortable connotations of having the only Black Spice girl named Scary Spice. So she sort of has a bit more freedom to be like her own thing. So it's like, all of you are going to wear something appropriate to your theme. And Mel B's like, I want to wear a spacesuit. And they're like, okay, let's go (laughs) with that. Well, I think there's also like an element to her costuming where it's like, you're urban spice, yeah. but not too urban because we don't want to scare anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though you are scary spice, which again is like uncomfortable 
like yeah. connotations uh, as the only Black Spice. This it, is her role. Yeah. You know? It made sense to the studio at the beginning because they they would they would have a black male as as scary spice and say, "Oh yeah, this is what we're all afraid of, right?" The, the, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to need you to get louder to close to the mic for that, Andrew. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned our lesson from that one. Um, is it also worth talking very briefly about this as a weird Poptimist uh, movie? Poptimist? You said that earlier. Yeah, It's a good word. It is a good word. A good but tell us, Darren, what does it mean? Poptimism <laughs> is generally seen as a movement that rejects... And it's kind of interesting because like, on the list so far, we've on the top 250, we've had a number of new entries this year, including like Bohemian Rhapsody and including A Star is Born, but that are all based around this idea of rock and what rock is and what rock means and how authentic it is and how real it is and how it comes from the heart. And you can tell it comes from the heart because it's genuine and it's like authentic because it's a guy standing in the middle of the stage with a guitar and he's singing from his soul and he knows what it means and he's being honest and all that sort of stuff. Right. And that's, that's, that's rock, right? And what you've had recently or in the past, say, 20 years, arguably since the release of Spice World, maybe since the mid-90s, is this sort of emerging sort of pop counter-movement to that, where pop goes, this is pre-packaged. This is pre-designed. This is carefully market research. This is brand managed. This is unmessaged. This is manufactured. This is perfectly put together. And that doesn't make it any less genuine or worth celebrating. And it's kind of interesting that like after watching Bohemian Rhapsody, but also after watching A Star is Born, where you have like these, this idea of like a, a male artist who's like finding himself and pushing his vision to watch a movie like this, which is like five girls in a pop band that has been transparently put together based on like marketing and research, basically taking that and saying, isn't it awesome? Isn't it fun? Like there's a really great moment where the girls abscond from the bus with these two little girls who've been assigned to them like for the day. They're fans who've won a trip on the bus with the Spice Girls. And the Spice Girls decide to take them on a boating adventure together. And there's the moment where Clifford is standing on the bridge looking at them going, like riding in that boat and saying, don't you remember when ro rock and roll was? What rock and roll was? Where it was like smashing TV sets and throwing things out of windows. That's what rock means. And you know, his assistant's like, no, this is, this is pretty great what they're doing here and don't you remember being in the playground and falling over and yeah like skimming your knee or something and he's like what planet are you from but no like i think there is something vaguely interesting in that in like mm -hmm. this idea of a movie that celebrates like poppiness do you yeah. have other examples of movies like that that celebrate poppiness yeah um, <laughs> maybe it's a no, wider uh, cultural conversation though I think people are very obsessed with authentic authenticity um, well, no, I mean, it's because, particularly like, in a musical context because people tend to attach more gravitas to people who like write their own material and it's just kind of them and their instrument and there's less respect perhaps for bands that have just been put together in a, I suppose the equivalent of a factory based yeah. on like research and what people want and so on but like this is the thing when Andrew asked me for examples of this this is why I, this is why I brought this up in this context because this is one of the rare movies I can think that celebrates manufactured pop in this way it's more you see the opposite you see movies about like rock and about country so I'm thinking like Crazy Heart starring like uh, Jeff Bridges I'm thinking obviously Star is Born um, I'm thinking, Jazz yeah and, and so like that even like yeah 
uh, like Ray or Walk the Line, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Movies that are but about... But there's also something in those La-la-la. films about... Yeah. And this is another problem, like the whole notion of if you are going to be a serious, authentic artist, you're like suffering in some yeah. way. You know, you're translating some kind of deep trauma or, or difficult life experience into real, genuine, like enduring art. And people don't seem... Or maybe there's a... a, a what would you call it, a current of thought perhaps that doesn't see something that is just purely bubbly, feel good, just put out there to be sunshine, rainbows, whatever, um, as worthy of the same merit perhaps. And I think there's an overemphasis in wider society on having to be seen to suffer for your art to make it in yeah. some way more worthwhile. Or legitimate. Or, or even to make it art. Yeah, you know? exactly. The bubble sunshine kind of happy um, stuff, I suppose it, it doesn't come across as authentic because it doesn't feel... Um, I, I guess close, close to how life is. Like life isn't kind of like a struggle and all kind yeah. of, um. I'm thinking of a uh, line from uh, Wayne's World again where they're like, I mean, Led Zeppelin didn't write tunes that everybody liked. They left that to the Bee Gees. <laughs> it's like, where is our Bee Gees movie, people? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like Benjamin's not one of us? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Go on. Cause yeah, I, I think, um, like I'm, I'm, I'm not kind of, um, well, I, I think previous previous things I've said on the podcast and maybe uh, made it made it seem like I think life life, life is um, uh, just uh, suffering and pain. misery. Yeah, yeah. And and in our, in our podcast like... covering Arrival, Andrew described life as being standing against a rock, being pelted by the waves, <laughs> and being glad to catch your breath between them. So you're, you're yeah. basically I'm, like I'm not... that, that bohemian stereotype in a one-room flat somewhere in Paris, smoking out the window, just going, everything is garbage. Yeah. Emphatically <laughs> not writing. Life is suffering. If Andrew's life were a film, it would be black and white and he would be a sad clown. Or just the very sad bit at the start of Moulin Rouge. Yeah. But I don't think any of that is sad. <laughs> I, mean, I think it gives life that's meaning. That's kind of a ro- robust kind of um, uh, realism to it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and it kind of, um, yeah. I think this is it, one of those things that illustrates the difference between you and me a little bit. Because I mean, we talk about this on Arrival as well, where my, my strategy is like, life, sure, life can be terrible, but you can sometimes avoid life being terrible. And if you can... That's not a bad call at all. If I had to choose between living in A Star Is Born and living in Spice World, I would live in Spice World. We I mean, even with bombs on buses. We don't mean like Truman Show, and you'd realize that you're in a movie. <laughs> like you, something is not quite right. This is not the, like this is great fun, but I don't belong here. Yeah, this why is the real world selling me my gin yeah. tonic? Why do I have so many tie dye bandos? <laughs> um, yeah. And so many platform shoes. Yeah. Fun fact: the girls used to tie their hair back at the end of days using their own underwear. Yeah, that's quite enterprising. Yeah. Just not Again, this is the wonderful thing you you find is reading profiles of the Spice Girls. What okay. would they what 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 would they use their um uh, uh bobbins for then? I don't know. I, the interview didn't go into that much oh, depth. Okay. I think it's more because they had the underwear to hand. Okay. Cause, yeah, because they wouldn't you wouldn't be allowed to have like a bobbin on your wrist at the Albert Hall or whatever. It leaves yeah. a mark. Because it's not part of the costume. You can't have yeah. a bobbin. Except maybe sporty, which would be in character. Uh, yeah, but her hair would be tied up with the scrunchie anyway. Yeah. yeah. Probably. At the end of the day, would they not have bobbins in their <laughs> like dressing, dressing room? Like dressing rating for Andrew, them. Andrew, you're overthinking this. Yeah. So bobbins actually 
scientifically, if you leave them on a surface, they disappear they, within yeah. half an hour. <laughs> the battery yeah. so, takes They're them. found under the bed. Yeah. yeah. Andrew yeah. is the only person who hasn't had long hair and needed to tie it back on this podcast. I, I have tied my hair back. I, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I, I had a buff. <laughs> <laughs> you had like the ponytail that the yeah, guy has yeah. at the bar. Yeah. And, and I love that even when they're doing like the flashback to how the band got together, as we pointed out, it's not a story of struggling and strife or like working class environment. Well, they had less, but coffee costed a lot less. Yeah. 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 They get six and coffees six... for 150. Yeah. But the worst thing is like Mel C. And I'm like, it, Again, this and they're is, like, we can't pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> Six like you couldn't go out and find two pounds on the street. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Nicola I'm, could have like taken up the sort of... I'm charging you a lot less than I could on this coffee. I think it's about time you pay it up. I'd, uh, I'd love the idea that... Suddenly like, you get sinister. Close the doors. Uh, yeah. I love the idea Dance that... Dance for me. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I'm being obliged. Their memory of it is quite different. Yeah. It's much rosier. A lot of repression. Or we'd never talk about it. Can can I just say, I was a little disappointed with the wannabe number in this movie. Because, like, for me, wannabe is, like, the big Spice Girl song. It's, like, the one that made them famous. It was number three in its first week. Yeah, like, and and performing, like, J.K. Rowling style. But the performance in here is they're they're dancing a little bit inside a cafe set. I would imagine. That is beautiful because it replicates the experience of every little girl who loved the Spice Ah. the Spice Girls dancing around, not being particularly good at dancing, just having a bop with your friends. That's the experience it's replicating the Victoria. And then you have your (laughs) one friend who can do a cartwheel. Yeah, that's yeah. sporty by yeah. default. Yeah, that's beautifully spoken right there. That is actually that is. I think you've just that's it. It's now right perfect down to film. the way it's on a little cassette player. As yeah, well. and you've got your one friend who's in charge of the cassette yeah. player, and you're you using know? something as a mic, like a shampoo ball. Yeah, and you're kind of like dancing at each other <laughs> more than for anyone else. Mariana's just given the film another star in my ratings. So. <laughs> so I wasn't too off base in what I was alluding to earlier of the Spice Girls being kind of like avatars. For your little uh, uh, girl gang. <laughs> On our way here, we saw a girl gang. Yeah, there's but, a girl gang in Darren's estate. Okay. They're all, they're all possibly related, but it's like little blonde girls did you pick of like them, varying did, sizes. Oh, yeah, they're, they're tiny. Are those they're, they're, girls down the road? Yes, they live yeah. just they're, down the road. They're, they're quite sinister. Um, Every time I come here, they I, give me really questioning looks like, who are I, you? I have a story I'm not sure I can tell on Mike about them, but I'm fairly sure the <laughs> oldest one of them will be the first person in this estate to own a flick knife. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, but anyway, back to the Spice Girls. Future I, what is the story that you're not going to tell? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> You've already said too much. Yeah. Um, Darren was found dead due to a flick knife stabbing. But one of the things that's interesting, I love the idea that the they co- this is cancelled. <laughs> Thank you, Whitey. Um, but I do love the idea that Santa Claus. <laughs> I love the idea that the cafe shut down because of that one euro fifty cent on tab that he couldn't close. Like, you know, sort of the examiner came in and it's like, well, your books seem to be in order, but I found this missing $1.50. We're going to have to shut you down. It's going to become derelict. Mm. I always found it unreasonably poignant that they never tell us what happened to Brian. Yeah. Like, I, I, even now I'm kind of like, could they not have had like a quick cutaway to him like in Dancing a jazz club end. somewhere what? playing a saxophone and, and like, like, this is a song about a group of girls I used to know. Well, that, that's okay. <laughs> do that during the Spice Up Your Life sequence like, where yeah, they cut where across the various <laughs> characters and show you where it is. And Brian isn't somewhere. There's, I'm waiting. They obviously maybe had a shot of like a gravestone saying died oh, in God. the forehouse or something like yeah. that. Uh, 
are owing one fifty. That is they only had him for that scene. After Wannabe, they just like kind of pan over to Brian. It's like, I wonder what it would be like if I was a pop star. Just gets disappeared into it, yeah. And then it comes back to him. He's like, oh, sorry, I forgot I was in a movie. Back to the hospital scene. Yeah. But it is kind of, yeah, it is kind of interesting in terms of like the film. What was, does anybody have any favorite scenes or scenes that we haven't talked about yet? Because I quite like the scene where Richard O'Brien breaks into the house through a toilet in an obvious homage to Train Spotting, which is a movie that I imagine most eight year olds watching the film will not have seen at that point. Train Spotting Spice. Yes. They, yeah, there was that earlier. Uh, with Emma. But she does like laugh. Where is she going to go with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Baby Spice crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. Um, I think I, I knew that scene in Train Spotting because I have a vague notion that this was on in the background, like my parents were watching it at some stage, and there was that the scene um, where he's in the toilet and of course me being a child I was like mm, really weird and <laughs> just kind of left and yeah so I think I knew what they were going for but I had no idea of the wider context or what like a drug was or I never why saw it was bad I spotting as a child like not in its <laughs> that's a not, disappointment not, not, it, not in its entirety my parents just made a cut of like the most upsetting parts of the movie and just played those <laughs> but I feel like Again, when you used to watch those, like, top 30 shows that would show clips of things, I felt like I had seen various, like, iconic clips from Train Spotting over and yeah. over mm-hmm. again on these kind of, like, movie review segments or whatever that you would have on TV. Yeah. You could sort of absorb it well. by osmosis. Yeah. yeah, things like that. Was, cinem- was it called Cinemania? It was, like, like, on kind of, like, Windows, kind of 95 PCs. It was, like, in Carta. Encarta was the... I remember uh, Encarta's um, kind of uh, encyclopedia. I don't remember Cinemania. I think I it was think Cinemania. Or else it was Breathomania. <laughs> and Andrew just sort of tried to sort of shoehorn yeah. it in to talk you about But yeah, they had clips from like Silence of the Lambs. And um, I remember one year for Halloween, I was uh, Vito Corleone, having never seen The Godfather, <laughs> but having like kind of watched the, the clip on it and read about it on, <laughs> on the Cinemania site. I had the the suit and like the the um, cotton balls in your mouth for the yes. video coming but actually just I was checking my notes here for the episode and fun fact if you want to illustrate like how crazy the like tabloid mania was over the Spice Girls um, apparently <laughs> two photographers tried to sneak onto the set by disguising themselves as a pantomime horse <laughs> sorry pantomime cow. Um, only to get caught by security as they sort of approached the uh, the edge of the field where they were screening. The security must have been very on the ball. It's like, what exactly is this movie? Are we certain that there is no pantomime <laughs> <laughs> cow? They were probably just like, I don't care. We still need to see your pants, <laughs> <Yeah>. both <laughs> of you. Also, if it was like just the very edge of a field, like even then, seeing a pantomime horse in the distance might have been like. Something's not quite They're right here. They're lost or not supposed to be. <laughs> they, they don't choose real horses. And full marks yeah, for I mean, they just tie together a bunch of cats. I prefer the idea that they were trying to disguise themselves as an actual cow. Yeah, I know. Apparently, like, they were drift into yeah. the show. Apparently, they were. Like, apparently, that's it. They they Aww. hired. They got a pantomime pantomime cow costume and tried to <laughs> pantomime pantomime. <laughs> <Hey! laughs> 
But yeah, um, so they, they apparently tried to disguise themselves as a pantomime whore, pantomime cow and wander into the shop, but security weren't having any of that. I mean, but it would have been completely in place. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, nobody, yeah, if it appeared in the back of a shot, a pantomime horse wandered into their, the back of the Their mistake was looking too much like an actual cow. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, we did like, not pay not for this level of pantomime <laughs> cow. Um, also, yeah, the, the scene in which aliens arrive, which is perhaps yeah. the, like, the movie has a number of non-sequiturs, including, like, the really great sequence with Stephen Fry, which we should probably talk about, which is probably the funniest sequence in the film, I would argue. It's the thing where he sentences them to a lifetime of appearing on Taiwanese chat shows, talking about how they used to be famous. Yeah. Now bring me Gary Barlow. You can, uh, again, really sense the Spice Girls that this was... A very real fear for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that they probably had a, quite a lot of input into that. Point. Listen, I, I have a so memory of, <laughs> of seeing interviews with them, and I don't know whether this was like outtakes in the video game I mentioned earlier or the other <laughs> video thing. But they said, like, one of the questions was like, "Is there anything that like really annoys you when you're asked to do it or something?" And, be, and I think it's Victoria and Mel B go into extreme detail where they're like, "Oh yeah, like just game shows where they want you to do like stupid stuff or something like." <laughs> pretend to be the wind or like if you're a vegetable like what kind of vegetable would you be and it's like why would we want to do this so yeah that that might have been a rather knowing like please don't let us end up doing this for the next 20 years of our lives kind of thing and there's also yet yeah, the alien abduction sequence which is bizarre <laughs> even by the standards of the film because it's not even contextualized in the they're weird cutaway. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're just fans that yeah. makes, makes sense like, yeah. that was how Clearly, big the Spice, Spice Girls are so was. famous. Yeah. Well, yeah, it yeah. transcends galaxies. It's giving us context for how important this. this concert at the Royal Albert Hall is that, like, extraterrestrials cannot get tickets. I do love that they cut them dancing as well during yeah. the Spice Up Your yeah. Life sequence at they the end. They can get the telly yeah. with, like, the live broadcast on wherever they are. Also, the costuming in that sequence is amazing because it's implied that they've all been in bed. And like, you know, like I think Scary is wearing a sort of camo bikini with a house coat, <laughs> like and Jerry's in some kind of bustier. Like it's just amazing. She's All in like that. a like a leather catsuit type thing. Yeah. Not like you know, their their say say you'll be there video outfits. Oh yeah, you're right. So, clearly she was just repurposing that. Yeah. And, and then it's like wearing a jumper. Yeah, because yeah, some of them look like they could have genuinely been in bed. Yeah. Um, I do also love that they describe them as wearing cheap costumes when they get back when they're talking really about the cheap end. green coats. They all go and, and do um, the kind of like same thing together as well, like regardless of kind of their personalities. There's a, there, there, there doesn't really happen in this. There is, there, there, is, there is a kind of like an argument about whether they're going to um, play the Royal Albert Hall or not when they split. When Clifford's like, like did, I, did you just break up the Spice Girls? Yeah, but 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 like, and, 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 like there isn't there isn't really the conflict there where it's like um, where Posh Spice is like, actually no, I'm not going into the woods to take. <laughs> like, um, I want meatloaf. Don't play yeah. that. Get yeah. meatloaf to unplug the toilet. Heels. Yeah, yeah uh, that I wear in so bed. All five of us are going to venture out into the wilderness together. I do like the pains they went to set that up, though, with the conversation between Clifford and the bus. I did driver. like that because that was my immediate question. I was like, how are there not toilets on this bus? Yeah. So it was there really is good everything thing. else in there. I love that they each have their own zones on the bus as well. Like Sporty has like I'm, a, a an sort exercise of an exercise bike. bike. And it's implied heavily that they were all made like serious crimes <laughs> serious like toilet crimes to- serious <laughs> toilet crimes because um, like um, meatloaf is like now I've taken a lot of 
really big. <laughs> I like, but I'm not cleaning up that. I mean, my um, name is Mila. <laughs> <laughs> you can piece this together. But I think it is. It's there's an implication that while all the Spice Girls have different personalities, they are all still ultimately girls. And the most important thing that overrides any individual personality trait is girl friendship. So, I mean, well, that, that's, that's the, there's a line when they're yelling at Clifford towards the end of the, the movie where they're saying, look, it's about friendship and commitment and you wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. And Andrew sort of has it on the nose there where they have the big sequence at the Albert Hall where it's like it's like they're going to split up but for 30 seconds they go their separate ways and then are all like drawn back together by this weird Spice Girls like hive mind. By the shared that, memory of that, Brian and yeah, the coffee. At the exact same time that conspires. They come, they come in in pairs as well. Yeah, that yeah. conspires like because they met on the tube or something like yeah. that which are deleted scenes. It's very odd. It's like how did you know that you were going to be here? How did you know that I was going to be here? Yeah. And it's But there's never any serious because even when you get to the whole are the Spice Girls going to play the Albert Hall sequence it's never well oh look Posh is off doing this thing and Mel C's off doing that thing and you know they're going to have to get together and there's going to have to be like a coordination and a healing it's like no 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 all five of them are at the hospital together sure. like with their friends so they're going to arrive in bulk all, all they really all they really have done is is finally kind of like have kind of half an hour to themselves the way they wanted to in <laughs> yeah. the whole movie and they brought Nicola to the Ministry of Sound yeah yeah. With no it. they bring her there afterwards oh yeah that's yeah. the half hour to themselves <laughs> yeah but, um, it seems like that could be but this is all supposed to be like three days yeah. or something Over the with place. Nicola in her role of just witnessing them having fun that she's <laughs> occupied for her entire <laughs> life makes her feel bad as well yeah she's, she's not having like, a good she's time and being like oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe the undercurrent is that she, if she had never gone off with this Trevor person in the first place, I was—I didn't even know the dad had a name. Yeah, yeah. He said she said something early on, like Trevor's just left, like generic. Oh, Trevor! And they're all just like, ugh. Basically. Oh, I didn't even like clock yeah. that. Yeah, that's, how, so that's, that's how, how inconsequential Trevor is to the grand scheme yeah. of things. But I do love that the film avoids the obvious dramatic hook of having the band split up. Because I mean, even things like, for example, um, even like other other movies about bands or whatever, even other sort of stories have the inevitable arc of, and like I'm thinking of like Bohemian Rhapsody has like a, an entire fictionalized arc where Freddie goes off on his own and sort of breaks up the band, and you have to bring them all back together at the end so they can have this one triumphant moment I love that Spice World doesn't even seriously consider the possibility of the Spice Girls ever not being together and I think it's kind of funny that like when we were watching the sequence Andrew or Marianne pointed out the irony of the sequence where they're arguing with Clifford where they all wander off one at a time I think Victoria goes first and then Mel B but the last Spice Girl to leave is actually Jerry which is like a wonderfully ironic illustration of how the band didn't necessarily even understand their own dynamics. Because mm-hmm. it's like, Jerry will be the last person to leave the Spice Girls in theory. And it's like, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just that if they had tried to put conflict between the girls in any real way, it would have undermined, or in their minds, would have undermined the theme of like friendship and loyalty and like your yeah. female friends are the most important thing. Without maybe having an understanding of like, but sometimes friendships are stronger if they've been through like difficult patches. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I just don't think, I mean, for me as a young Spice Girls fan, that wouldn't have been fun. I wouldn't have had a nice time. 
I mean, it would have been more true to life, though. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is, this, is this an argument? And it's kind of interesting, because like, I'm kind of thinking of, like, Ocean's 8, of, of, like, recent films and stuff like that, where you have these female characters who spend time together, but movies seem almost afraid to put them into... I don't want to say afraid. Movies are wary of putting them into competition with one another or having them disagree with one another for fear that it might play into stereotypes about, like, pitting women against each other. Yeah. Well, but I, I think, as well, people have a lot of difficulty thinking of things that women might disagree over. Do I think you know I mean? the difficulty is... with like, yeah, what... Because I mean, the, in Spice World, there are moments like where the girls are pretty like casually catty to yeah. each other. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, Jerry, stop like talking about things that aren't like being a Spice Girl. <laughs> no one wants to know about manta rays. misogynist to Jerry. It's like, stop talking all of that like um, uh, nonsense that you've read from books and show us your boobies. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it's a real... And also like... Well, Victoria's home, maybe you can show them your tits um, yeah. yeah and there's a whole bit where um, like they're where Jerry and Mel B are playing chess and Mel B just doesn't understand the rules and Jerry is like it's not even a punchline she's just like I'm gonna slap you <laughs> <You're> like oh <laughs> but I do, do think and actually I found that with Ocean's 8 that I mean a movie that I was really looking forward to because I was just like oh my god a girl heist but the female relationships were all so shallow yeah. Which was my main problem yeah. with it. Because I think it's like Grace said, it's like there's almost a lack of imagination of like, well, like, what do women, like, what do bot, they do? What do they bond what do they over? Talk about? You know, when, you when they're not talking about a man. <laughs> yeah. the, the writer of Ocean's Nine is listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think people have diff, well, people, in a general rule, people have difficulty seeing women as individuals because they have a tendency to believe that, like, the female hive mind all wants the same things and does the same stuff and looks at things the same way, which is a problem that, like, wider society has in general. Um, so in in terms of like putting a group of women together in a movie, it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to make them individual because they don't, for whatever reason, they just don't feel like they can think of women in different ways. Like they all have to so have some underlying currents. Yeah. And then yeah. if you can't think of them as individuals to begin with, then it's kind of hard to extrapolate from that. What would they disagree over? What would they bond over? And, and I think it's really interesting yeah. in the Spice Girls that even though like the whole gimmick is that it's like five different personalities, at the end of the day, those uh, differences are so superficial. Yeah. And ultimately they all act in exactly the same way, right down to we all need to go take a in the woods together (laughs) you know know, it's so and I do think like I mean maybe they should have had a sequence in Ocean's 8 where they watch Spice World I don't know know? (laughs) actual personal relationship there in terms of the movie, is there anything we haven't talked about that we want to talk about? Anything that we haven't discussed or anything that jumped out? And it can be a character, it can be a sequence, it can be even just something vaguely related to Spice Girls that we haven't oh, talked yeah. about. When, when, when they ask uh, Jerry, is uh, like, oh, um, do you like boys, Jerry? She, she could have said, do I in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that might not have kept the PG rating that the movie was going for. Um, I really liked the bit where the Italian concert man deliberately put his giant cigar back in his mouth before he threatened Clifford. Very enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, again, Richard, Richard E. Grant is fantastic in this. Even the little sort of bit where he's sort of posturing towards... I don't towards... think he is. I okay, felt, I, I felt really, like really uh, sorry for him in, oh. in, 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 in this movie. Because, like, like, he... he, he he has to play it kind of, like, unseemly. But, like, so, so like... 
Like, um, is he unseemly? It's more pathetic, I, I think. No, like when he do like he's 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 doing all this kind of like bopping and 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 dancing in the movie, and and uh, like I think like people can do that and it be kind of ridiculous, but also um, not in a way that's just really cringe for for the actor involved. Like whenever you see, like I know Sam Rockwell kind of like has a kind of like a a. Um, uh, some sort of a background in that, I think, maybe. But, uh, but um, yeah. Or, Being uh, pathetic in a way that isn't cringing? <laughs> no, in, in, for, in, for you, in, Sam in dancing <laughs> in, in, in movies, like you see kind of, um, uh, what's it called? The uh, Charlie's Angels. and, um, and Those are so good. Um, Full Throttle was great. Yeah, and in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to, get, to, to kind of get right in, in a movie to be to 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 kind that, of like dance in a kind of like a silly way without also in not in a kind of like oh god like a f- f- feeling kind of like bad for for the actor i'm now and imagining spice like, world starring sam rockwell as clifford yeah oh. um did, did nobody else felt felt kind of bad for Richard E. Grant? There was a point at the end yeah. when he was talking about my career is over. Yeah, but when he picked up the noose, like the yeah. movie's darkest joke, which I thought I... he would have worked better played more as a straight man to like the wackiness of the Spice Girls. But the fact yes. that he's in a sort of like satin green tailcoat yeah, for a lot of it, it's really like, oh, he's also like kind of wacky, but also and... very like if they had just gone for like, oh, like this is actually like a serious man trying to manage a band and, and all this insanity is happening. That, like, but they couldn't seem to like pick one. I don't know. I, know? Think, I, yeah. I thought that might have broken the film in a way because it feels so cartoonish yeah, I, I anyway. Think he I feel fits like... in. He feels like a logical product like, of this. Even Rupert Murdoch ridiculous can make it world. rain in his office. Like, yeah. yeah. And and also, I really like the way, like, next to him, Deborah literally goes around in, like, a jean jacket yeah. and runners for most of the movie. And she's just, like, completely calm. Like, she never appears visibly distressed in any way. She's maybe a little bit impatient at times, but... I need like, to do that thing where you say something to another person to yeah, tell them that you are wrong. Like, What's totally that called? Calm. And I like the way it implies at the end, like, there's that one moment where he's like, wait... I love you. And then they just cut away. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't need to follow up on that. Yeah, that's fine. Like, right, make, make up your own mind there. Off you go. But I think his best line is the bit where he gets off the phone with Roger Moore, who's just said some, like, mad thing about headless chickens and, like, don't be the chicken. And Deborah's like, what does it, what did he say? And he's just like, does it matter? And it's so... That's incredible. Those are the bits yeah. I love. But I feel like that is, like, was such a realistic response to, like, my crazy boss has just said a bunch something very grounded about all that whereas like the other kind of parts of his performance are so kind of like um, over uh, the top yeah yeah. it's like you don't get to say does it matter because your entire outfit is plum purple Clifford, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're like insane all the time. Like, so you can't be like flapping around and, going, and you can't be uh, like Roger Moore insane. Am I right, yeah. Deborah? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, something was just misfiring for me there. Yeah. You know, and uh, like this is stuff with him, like ma- ma- making the kind of like um, comments over the tannoy. I enjoyed those sorts of ones where he's like, please, um, 
Please, um, please don't put your moisturizer in yeah. the fridge. That's <laughs> but you couldn't have a more like seriously drawn character do that sort of stuff because that lends itself to a portrayal of him as being slightly grandstanding and yes. exalted, which also fits in with the type of person who would wear a head-to-toe green satin suit. Mm, yeah. I think. I, I think also, yeah, if you didn't make him a cartoon character, you would end up with the most There'd be sympathetic too much of a clash as you'd well. Al- you'd also end up with the most sympathetic and grounded character in a Spice World movie being the man who tells them what to do. Yeah, oh, which fair. I think may be an issue if you made him seem more reasonable. Yeah, but uh, like the the thing in that that you alluded to earlier is that like all all of there 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 are all of these kind of hands trying trying to get at the Spice Girls, but they're they're um, they're oblivious and they they exist um, um, kind of outside and above all of that. So even if it, like it doesn't matter that he's the the man telling them what to do because all of the uh, male characters in the movie think that they can tell them what to do or construct um, a kind of a an a, image a of story them. around them or or get them to kind of like play to their um advantage somehow and it, it it doesn't bear out in reality it's it's it, it, it it's not it's not a bad look for the movie because it's 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 showing it's showing how kind of like in in ineffectual these kind of attempts are that they're all they're all kind of trying to 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 think that they're so smart that they can manipulate these people and they just can't because these people are a force of nature huh. and and they, they're like famous on other planets <laughs> they're broadcast into yeah. space I do wish we had seen uh, Clifford um, show a bit more actual care for the girls you know, it really does seem like no, he, he's just he in it for the money. Yeah, but he does he, like all he like. I mean, and that thing where it's like, I'm going to hang myself. Oh no, wait, I love them. You know, is uh, kind of upsetting that he's <laughs> like, oh, my feelings about the, these girls can turn just, on a dime. Turn on a dime. I live with them on a bus, but <laughs> um, but what about you guys? So, what was your takeaway? Like having watched the movie twenty years later. So, in closing, if you could summate Spice World, what does Spice World and what do the Spice Girls mean to you guys? Who wants to go first? Marianne. No, she doesn't. Um, I think, um, like, delightful, uh, empowering naffness that uh, only works on a level where you don't take it too seriously. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just just that whole kind of, it's, it's a lovely kind of snapshot of a moment in time and... Uh, a sensation, I guess, so, like the sensation of being so caught up in a phenomena like that, that you just feel sort of empowered, like you say, and everything is so irreverent and fun and cartoonish and you don't have to take anything too seriously and you don't have to dwell on any of the negative perception or what's the word implications in any way. And it's just, it's nice to, to remember that as a moment in time, I think, and as a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's testament to the movie that we can, Talk about it for longer than the movie goes for. <laughs> it's an hour and a half. Is it only an hour and a half? Yeah. It passes the Varda test. Amazing. Wow. Okay. The standard length for movies before <laughs> recent years, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has to be 75 minutes in order to be a motion picture. To be qualified as that. And so it just about gets over that and we have a post credit sequence laid on yeah. top. 
Yeah. All right. So that's that about wraps it up for this week. But if guys, what we normally do is we ask people to recommend something that they've enjoyed in popular culture that's recently. A, so if you, to plug your, your or plug your stuff if you've got <laughs> stuff out there that you'd like people to listen to. Um, possibly not drains with hair per Richard yeah. E. Grant's important announcement on the bus there. But like, if there's something that you wanted to draw people's attention to out in the world, what would it be, Grace? I have no idea. I don't know what's happening in the world since I stopped using Twitter. Genuinely. <laughs> but is there, is there something that brings you joy? Is there something you're enjoying at the moment? Like, um, were you watching Dirk uh, Gently's Holistic? I was, yeah, and I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot, but, um, I don't know if I can be seen as an authority on this because a lot of people seem to feel very strongly because Max Landis is involved that it's in some way terrible. I only see something that's sweet and pure and enjoyable, but I don't know if that makes me wrong or a bad person. So, anyway, it's on Netflix <laughs> if you would like to make up your own mind. Sarah and Elijah Wood, right? Yes, and, I've completely forgotten the other guy's name, so move on. <laughs> um, Marianne, is there something you're enjoying or something you'd like to share with listeners that brings you joy? Um, yeah, I recently watched uh, The Dragon Prince on Netflix. It's a new animated series, kind of in the line of Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. which is a sort of epic fantasy animated series that is like lighthearted in some ways, but also is trying to tell like a longer story. Uh, the animation is beautiful. I mean, it's, for me, not quite at Avatar levels yet, but I mean, obviously that's... Avatar ran for how long, though? Like, Oh, I don't remember. I just binged it all oh. in, like, a few months, like, after the fact. But um, it's a really promising first season. Uh, some, like, very good voice actors, uh, some very interesting characters, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. And if you're a fan of that style of animation, people should definitely check it out. Andrew? Um, I'd like to... Plug, uh, Brazil, um, oh, no. <laughs> and Julox Sweater Shield. Yeah, all <laughs> very important uh, and like a, an important part of our cultural wallpaper. I think is probably the way to go. Yeah. And also, like, if there's a sandwich in the fridge and it's not yours, don't don't eat the sandwich. Uh, if, if I if I had planned this in advance, I would have written a lovely like Roger Moore style <laughs> meditation on the importance of tea and how a good cup of tea can change your life. But I did not plan ahead, so regretfully, I don't currently have that. Audiences, you can construct one in your own mind and the grace delivered it. It makes me seem really sad that I'm the only one who had like a real answer for this. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh, Marianne, trust me, it makes it makes me feel much better that you did. Um, thank you, Marianne. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so you can join us next week. What do I do, Darren? Uh, if I were to recommend something, I... Maybe a book. Uh, maybe a book? Um, well, yeah, okay. So I've got a book out on the work of Christopher Nolan. Actually, we're talking about like self-congratulatory sort of plugs. Um, it's Christopher Nolan, A Critical Study of the Films. It is now available from Amazon, um, wherever good books are sold. You can even order it into your local bookstore. Uh, or if, if it's too expensive, I know that this is going out around Christmas time or slightly after Christmas time. So if you, you know, miss the opportunity to have somebody buy it for you for Christmas, you can order it to your local library uh, as well, because they have a budget allocated for that sort of thing. And it means other people can enjoy it too. And it also means that I get some of that sweet, sweet royalty money. So I would really, really appreciate yeah. it. And I you mean, get a vital insight into the mind of Darren. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Or, or my subject, hopefully. I mean, if you're going to have one book, obviously, you have the Bible. But if, if you're, you're going to have two <laughs> or three books... Probably I mean, also have, Files book as well. Yeah, I'll probably also have several copies of the Bible because you never know where you left the last one. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
But anyway, you can listen to the podcast online at Stitcher and SoundClouds and iTunes and now on Spotify. Um, if you like us, please feel free to leave a positive review online. If you like it, tell everybody. If you don't like it, tell us. Uh, you can follow us online at Spider-Man at the 250. Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> just a bad night. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a sort of a weird thing. We like, gets a lot of that. You, I'm so glad that <laughs> my like, internet experiences significantly different uh, kind of like I feel like the more kind of like positive energy you put out into the internet more kind of like negative stuff you'll get back so, um, <laughs> that's how it works ladies yeah. and gentlemen but if you can uh, please feel free to leave a positive review uh, online because it really helps get the word out we really appreciate it uh, we'll be back next week but take it easy until then remember guys